This is the Portland Firefighters Association Senior Firefighter Podcast. I'm Joseph Keenest. In this series, I host high-performing Portland Fire and Rescue members who talk about their insights, experiences, and lessons learned. In the American Fire Service, these men and women have historically been known as the senior firefighter or the senior man. What makes a senior man? As my guests demonstrate, it has nothing to do with time on the job, rank, or gender and everything to do with a winning mindset, technical mastery, character, and a commitment to self-improvement and mentorship. These long-form conversations are far-ranging, but center around two core themes, the roles and responsibilities of senior firefighters and the dynamics of mental performance on the fire ground. This project would not be possible without the help of Kyle McLowry, and thank you to Local 43 for providing the recording equipment and studio. Without further introduction, Let's start the conversation. Now let me ask you, have you ever seen a box alarm shit show? Firemen scrambling at shift change to pull gear off the rig and grab their own, while off shifters who are still in the riding position get ready to jump on the rig because a fire popped off in your first due. I've observed this now and then, and it sucks every time. See, when I was a probie, a senior man took me aside and said, When you first get to the station, two things. Get your mind right and your shit ready. Think about that fire or pin-in that may be tapped out right when you get to the house. Don't think about the mundane of the job, but focus on the extraordinary and be ready for it. Twelve years later, I still think of this as I'm driving to work. So I grab my gear, relieve the off shift, and get my shit ready and mind right the same way every day. I make sure my bottle is full and operational. I hang my turnouts just right. I ensure the tools I'm responsible for are serviceable and in place. I settle my thoughts while I do this, centering myself around what this job's all about. And then I go make room in my belly for a good breakfast. But as I leave the at bay, every now and then I see a pile of gear staged at the back of a rig. I see that gear's owner sitting at the kitchen table, coffee in hand, stories in progress, and a part of me cringes, for I know as a whole our station is not as ready as we could be and should be. And if that box alarm drops, I'll observe the shit show as I go through the practice motions of turning out. I know my pack's good, that my irons and tick are in place. I can concentrate on slowing my adrenaline rush. I can get my mindset focused while keeping my awareness bubble open. I'll be settling into my established rhythm, not stumbling out of the blocks, trying to recapture my stride. Now, I get it. Sitting around the firehouse table is the goods. All subjects are fair game the previous day's fire, marital decompression, or watching the tinder swipes of the one single guy still in the house. Like I said, I get it. But small things have big impacts. And I feel that choosing to make that gear pile instead of putting things right diminishes our awareness from the start. I love this job and the responsibilities that it carries. When I hang my gear on the rig, I truly expect fire. When I check my tools, I tell myself that if someone is trapped, I will get them out. I want my best to be good enough when it counts. So instead of walking past the kitchen table immersed in my own routine, I know that it is up to me to pull that brother aside and pass on those words that I was given, to ask him if he is truly ready for this day, if his mindset is where he feels it should be. I'll remind him that this job plays for keeps and that it's imperative that we control those facets that are controllable. So much is out of our hands in this profession. 
but you don't have to be a senior man to care for, grasp, and mold those aspects that we do control. We owe this to each other, and more importantly, we owe it to those we are here to serve. And those are the words of my guest today, Anthony Braxton. Anthony, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Most definitely, man. Thank Th you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for being here. It. Yeah. So that's from a blog that you've got called Ads Deep, yeah. which is awesome. That's a blast from the past, too. Yeah. That's, that's the first one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Those are really powerful words. And, and we'll get to a lot of what um, you'll get to that stuff. But right. off the bat, let's start. Let's start with the easy stuff. Okay. <laughs> Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, in the heart of Seattle. Grew up uh, in Seattle, Washington. Um, born and raised, kind of bounced around there for a little bit. Most of my family is still up that way. Okay. So yeah. What brought you down here? The job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just the job in general. Yeah. Um, knew I wanted to work for a larger urban department. So tested in Seattle, tested here, uh, other large conglomerate. And, yeah. Uh, Portland pop first. So it was like... Like, here we go. Yeah. 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 No kidding. You sports and hobbies growing up? Yeah. You know, my family growing up, super athletic, super like, you know, intimidating. Okay. Everybody was fast. Everybody could like dunk. Mm -hmm. I wasn't super fast. I couldn't dunk. So, <laughs> but I wanted to be like them. So, yeah, I kind of grinded. And then uh, by middle school, it kind of clicked for yeah. me and uh, got really involved. Different sports, football, basketball. Um, did football in high school, played lacrosse in high school, okay. did some track, stuff like that. Played them all. Played them all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I mean, like, babysitting for my parents was like mm, throwing, yeah. throwing a ball at me and telling me to come back <laughs> when it's dark. <laughs> you know? Take it outside. Yeah. 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 They, they worked uh, opposing shifts. Like, my mom worked in the day and my dad worked graveyard. So it was like okay. literally like, be gone. Yeah. And when you come back, be quiet. Yeah. Because dad's what they, getting up. What'd they do for work? Ah, uh, grinded, basically. Um, they, they found some careers later in life. My mom uh, worked for a law firm, or still does, just on the edge of retirement. Um, she kind of started as a receptionist with them and then became a legal secretary. So she just gets after it. And then my dad, um, for a, the early part of my life, um, was trying to be a, a musician, was in different bands, yeah. did a lot of touring, traveling around. Um, when that didn't go the way he wanted to, just kind of was... In that searching, you know, owned a couple zip codes for FedEx, tried to start his own little business, okay. you know, just kind of like wanted to deliver for himself. Um, so just kind of has, has done that. Yeah. Life. Yeah. 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 My uh, mom was a legal secretary too. All right. And uh, I mean, her little cohort, I mean, some of the hardest working people. Oh, yeah. I've ever. My known. mom grinds. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and in an office too. I mean, I cubicle setting. Yeah. It's like, for me, the worst kind of Completely. hard work there is. Straight up. Yeah, yeah. Here's your pile of paper. Let's yeah. start working. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, how'd you do in school? You like school? I I always did well in school until like mid high school. Okay. When I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and then after that, like whenever I find something, like amused talks to me as like, this is a thing. Do this. Like I'm all in. So when I find those certain things in life and in, in academics, when I found those certain things, mm. like I excelled because I was like, wanted to do the effort, but yeah, I kind of reached a point mid high school where it's like, I just want to play sports, mm -hmm. hang out. I don't want to do the busy stuff. Yeah. So I did. All, I did all right, but not as well as I probably could have done. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Um, how did you, how'd you hear about the fire service? 
You know, growing up, I always knew that I wanted to have a life of service. I thought that would be military. And then for, you know, probably from elementary school through high school, law enforcement okay. was honestly what was drawing me from, you know, being a street cop to like a, some kind of federal agent, something yeah. like that. Went to college. Um, and then I was working this odd teriyaki bar summer fucking job trying to get some money for books you know and this cat like uh his name was darcy and he was just this enigma just this bigger than larger than life character Mm -hmm. you know this hardcore east coast new jersey jew so he just had like a full thick accent but at the same time like wore tie-dye gold chain sunglasses inside and and one day he was just like hey man you know my fucking knucklehead son-in-law is gonna Thinking about being a fucking firefighter. You ever think about that? And I was like, man, are you like call me knucklehead? Or like, yeah. do you like your son-in-law? You know, I was <laughs> right. like, it's like, like where, we, yeah, where are we going with this, right? Yeah. Um, but it just clicked. It was like, you know, like I never had, but I always wanted to do something where I served and kind of put myself um, at risk for others for what it just drew me. Yeah. And I could not get that out of my head. Yeah. You know, I found myself walking by fire stations, kind of looking in, just like mm-hmm. could not let it let it go. And then I just knew, well, I have to delve deeper into this. And, and as I scratched the surface, I just dug deeper and deeper and, yeah. you know, eventually found like, yeah, this is the thing. Where were you going to college? Uh, Western Washington. Oh, in Bellingham. yeah. 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 So he, he, he threw that my way right before I was leaving school, um, right before I left school. And, uh, yeah, I just, like I said, I couldn't get it out of my head walking by fire stations. I didn't know any firefighters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's different now. You know, I talk about it at sevens with the guys, but like in my neighborhoods in Seattle, like if a fire engine came up the block, like something was fucked up. Okay. Right? Somebody's dying. Something's on fire. Like yeah. it wasn't ticky tack. Right. So, right. um, you know, you'd see fire engines, ladder trucks every now and then, but you know, didn't know anybody. And then just, just asked my mom for, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, anybody? She's like, well, let me, let me talk to the guys at work. And then sure enough, you know, they're like these high level bankruptcy attorneys, right? And they're okay. like, Oh yeah, we know some firefighters. So they set me up with interviews just to talk with people. And it's like, you're going to meet the chief of the port of seattle we're gonna go sit down with this guy and talk or uh, we know the deputy chief of, yeah. of seattle fire and it's very like, relatable yeah, yeah. Right? right so it was you know it was good right like it was definitely eye-opening had to get my get my own shit together to feel like to talk to these individuals and then they eventually steered me to like here this is line guy yes. go talk to this guy yeah. he's gonna kind of get you set out and uh yeah, one of the cats uh, at, that worked at the port was a volunteer at Skyway Fire, which is a little hilltop community on the mm-hmm. southern edge of Seattle. And um, he was like, yeah, man, like, uh, you know, take some Red Cross classes, Red, Red Cross classes to see if, you know, like yeah. emergency response, you know, EMT basic in Seattle. Everybody is an EMTB in Seattle metro, metro area, right? There's, if you're a medic, you're riding medic one. So yep. um, it's like, you know. Community college here has a night class a couple of days a week for just a couple months, you know, see if you can handle the medical. And then if you, if you want to delve in, like I know about Skyway Fire, let's go. So I did that, went to those classes, was like, all right, went to the night classroom too basic. I was like, yeah, I think I can handle yeah. blood and those type of emergencies. And Skyway is and was rather unique um, for the metro area of Seattle in that it's a combination department. Uh, the paid, paid staff only works Monday through mm. like 
Friday, Monday through Thursday, daytime. So okay. all evening, all weekend hours are volunteers. And it's it's urban. You know, it's oh. like a lower income urban area. So like you're catching real calls, you know, you go on fires, you, yeah. you, you know, shootings, whatnot. Um, so they have a, a stringent process, testing process. Okay. Kind of applied for that, was successful, and uh, you know started training with them. And once they took us to get like live burn at the at uh, North Bend, yep, my first live burn. Right after that, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is it. I knew it's like it was just like this is what I'm supposed to do. So is that when that is that the moment that it happened, or did you visit a firehouse and kind of meet? some of the the people that were working no there. you know all my interactions with firefighters were just kind of like they're off duty talking about the job like okay. what is the job like how do you get into it what do you what can you tell me you know, yeah and everybody yeah everybody's just like us right somebody comes with, i want to be a firefighter like yeah man it's the best thing ever of course you do right you know so they were just everybody that i interacted mm. with from that chief to the firefighter was like this is this is the thing and like they they spoke back to me in that like yeah like just from our interactions i feel like this could be the thing for you oh like i would you should pursue this oh no kidding okay and so it was like all right like i'll just keep diving deeper and um and at the same time like a couple guys i played um, sports with in college ended up being firefighters and so i started reaching out to them okay you know like they had gotten on the job earlier and one of them actually was volunteering at skyway you know, before he got picked up, and they're like, "This is yes, mm-hmm. C- come, <laughs> do it. <laughs> you will, you will not look back." Wow, and, and uh, you know, it did you know, and, and the same thing. And I was just looking for that, like that avenue of like, you know, because before my my, pre- my previous thoughts was, you know, I was I was headed towards becoming a teacher. Okay, like I knew I wanted to teach, wanted to interact with people, and and deliver. And I kind of had set that life of service in, in first responder fashion aside. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, once Darcy's little nudge, just that little nudge in life. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is the way for you. And I've always felt that way. Like when I've got something in my head that I just can't let go, it's like, okay, I've got to, let me, let me look into this. Mm-hmm. Something, something in me is grasping onto this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, one of the best, best things that's ever happened to me was yeah. that simple conversation with that, that interesting dude. It's amazing, like looking back and all those little pivot points in your life. Yeah. And I mean, I think our experience is one of like at those pivot points or fork in a road that you could have gone either direction. Completely. But there's only there's only your life. There's only what you've done yeah. and what has happened. And it's easy to go back in that with that hindsight and say, yeah. oh, this is this is what this is what I can attribute this timing to. But I mean, who knows? You may have been on that path without knowing it anyway. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, in staying with Portland, like, you know, because I, I, once I had that first training fire and I knew, like, this is what I need to do for my professional life, that's when I was like, I'm testing. Like, I'm going to, because at first I just still wasn't sure, right? Like, I was like, sure. I don't know if this is a thing. Um, but once I did that, it's like, okay, I'm going to test. And I tested with Portland and Seattle, like, probably within a month of each other. Um, got the call from here, and when I was down here, I got the call from Seattle. Okay. And uh, at the time, uh, my grandfather, who I was really close to, you know, kind of when my dad was off touring, doing his thing, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, we like lived with him. Okay. You know, like he was like the second big father figure in my life. Um, had a stroke, 
you know, when, when he was in the hospital, they, they found out like his previous cancer had come back. So he was definitely, he was spiraling. Yeah. And I was in, and all of a sudden Seattle's like, yo, like, Hey, come in for your last interview. Like, yeah. you know, so I was like, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Be home, be home with my moms. Close to family. Be yeah. back, be back in the mix. You know, it's not, I mean, we're not that far from Seattle, but it was far enough. Sure. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so I go see my grandpa in the hospital and he, uh, I tell him what I'm going to do. And he was like, nope. He's like, stay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't really, really talk, you know, like it was, um, I could, it, it barely came out, but he took his time, right? Focused and was like, you know, stay. Um, the distance will be good for you. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I listened. Like he was that much of a, of a figure in my life. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, all right, hmm. I'll, I'll take that. And just like, even that, you know, how that has changed my trajectory. And oh yeah. Everything. Um, but I think back on that a lot and I think of him a lot. Sure. You know, wow. Was and you had been offered the job here then? I was you, on. I was in Academy. Oh, you were? Yeah, yeah. I was in well, the you middle. you already started. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in the middle of, and it was funny, before I even, you know, came back up, like uh, Chief Sprando was fire chief at yes. the time. And I don't know how he knew, but he knew I was in Seattle's process. Because he, like, you know, came by the station or came by TAC and was like, you know, Braxton, you know. Have you given up on Seattle? Oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, chief. The, the fire chief. Asked, yeah, I know exactly training, right. But, like it was like, yeah. what is happening here? Uh, yeah, like, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. I went up and talked to my grandpa because I, I hadn't given up on it. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like this is what I think I'm going to do. And and my grandpa was just like, Nah, man. Like you stay. They'll be okay. You're close enough. Distance is going to be good for you. Just live your life. Live this path. And uh, and uh, I, I listened. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, I mean, what a powerful moment. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the same thing that it sounds like, you know, some of your buddies and the people you're in or interacting with identifying something in you that would be good on this job. And your grandfather saying there's something about this that you need to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I, I was not expecting him to say that, you know, um, because I, I knew he knew what would What's going to, you know, he was on his way out and what would happen with my family and uh, just that void. So it was, was not what I was expecting, but I'm, uh, I'm glad that I listened. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel good about it at the time? Not so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not so much. I felt resolved, right? Was like, you know, okay, this is, this is. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was still very torn. You know, he died shortly afterwards. And, you know, I'm down here going through twos and, and tack. And I think I went to twos at the time when, when, he, when he passed. And uh, I was definitely torn. Sure. But, well, you're sort of consciously choosing to put distance between yourself and your family. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you felt a great deal of responsibility towards him. But also trying to, you know, f- follow at least listen to the wisdom that your grandfather was giving you at the same time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Rest now. Yeah. So when you got to, when you got to tack, I mean, were you, did you feel like, okay, yeah, this is where, I mean, the complications with your family aside and a lot of that, you know, those challenges did, 
did you enjoy your experience? Oh, fantastically, man. The people that I came through with, yeah. like next level. I mean, that's yeah. the best part of the job, right, is the people. Yes. And the people that uh, I had in my group, I started in uh, the trainee group, um, just all stars, um, those who were successful with it, right? Yeah. Like coming through Jim Martin, uh, big Nate Sullivan, you know, just people who are still big in my life right now. Work yeah. with Jim. Nate's always been my boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who we were joined with off the other list, you know, Stens, John Robinson, yeah. Nick Weichel, just quality people that, uh, you know, and Stens, I mean, yeah, you know, like. He's all right. Yeah, he, he'll do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, fantastic time. Um, got after it, was pushed. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can't look back at, at the people that I was with and, and how we got after it with any, like, could have done that better. Or, ah, I wish I wasn't there. Like it was, yeah. it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the transition to station two, did you feel like, did you feel like you were ready to be? Yeah. I mean, in a sense, right? Like I had some, I, I, I listened to some of the Stenz's uh, interview with you mm-hmm. and my experience at twos was a lot different than his experience at twos. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like not that I wasn't with good people, but like I went to the shift at twos where people were like, "Oh fuck, you're mm. going to, you're going to B shift." Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and yeah. we didn't have a senior class in front of us, but when we were in TAC, we had people going through twos. When we and and like you saw the interaction they were having on the shifts, and like they were kind of filling us in on some things. So yeah. it was like, "Yo, like get ready." And get when ready. we went there, you yeah. know, it had that attitude. It was like. You weren't sure, like, are these guys fucking with me, mm-hmm. or are they like, am I, am I going to lose my job soon? So it wasn't a lot of of that, like, oh, great times and yeah. in the bullpen, just laughing it uh, up and staying up all yeah, night, yeah. And telling stories. You know, it was yeah. like, yo, we got to take care of business. Yeah, and uh, we had an individual in our crew that who was not successful, mm-hmm. um, lost lost their job the last day at twos given okay. their yellow helmet taken back really yeah and um it's a worse nightmare worse nightmare yeah but at the same time you know out of the four of us there was that person was not the easiest person to get along with our whole time um for the for the three of us it was john robinson nick weichel myself and this <laughs> individual okay. at twos and so, like, the bullpen sesh of laughing around, like, didn't fucking happen. What happened was, like, end of the day, like, that person would go do their thing. The three of us would go do all-night duties and, like, decompress amongst ourselves. Oh, gotcha. Because you have that weird balance of, like, we're a team. Yeah. We got we to gotta keep it together. We can't, like, right. show this adversity. Yeah. But we needed to be able to vent, um, you know, because if something go wrong in the evolution, that person would be like, well... I couldn't do this because Braxton did this, right. which fucked me up. And I was like, wow, you're just going to sell me out in front of everybody when that's not the case. So, right. um, but yeah, so I wouldn't say it was undeserved, the, mm-hmm. the eventual firing. The process in which they did it was pretty shitty, though. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Did you have any senior firefighters on your, on your shift, that, the trainers that, were, that, uh, that you as a group connected with? Yeah, we did, right? Like, you know, it was not having that senior class, it was like everybody was looking at you. And at the time, right, like we go, you go to twos for three months on the engine, three months on the truck. It's really just those group of trainers 
with you the whole day. Yeah. Um, when we first went there, you know, it was like six trainers, like just watching you, right? And all good people, like people that I connected with afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bob Walker was the driver on the truck while we were there. Um, Don Wagner was the truck officer. Um, Bob really, you know, tried to be kind of that, you know, like advocate. Yep. You know, connector. Yeah, with for us. sure. Um, when we went to the truck, we did have a junior class behind us, and they were not super successful. So they, I think, out of their four, they lost three. Wow. While just like while they were on the engine. Okay. So um, the heat was off of us, Dude. in a sense, right? Because yeah. all eyes were on them. But at the same time, we also had uh, Mike Glenn came to Station 2 right at that time we went to the truck. Okay. So he was the officer on the truck. Yeah. And uh, Mike is and, and was fantastic, right? Like mm-hmm. just all about us being successful, all of us, like, let's go to fires. This is what the job is. Yeah. You know, you felt like... Like, all right, like, you know, he, he was like the caretaker. And, you know, the, the guys on the engine, the officer on the engine, the driver on the engine, great dudes, had great interactions with throughout their career. Uh, Jerry Richardson was the driver. Jerry's yeah. fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. firefighter, you know, definitely connected with us. But there was always an edge of like, you're the train, you know. Yeah, the training. We'll see. We're in, in like yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see what next day brings. You know, days yeah. of standing in the watch room reading rules and regs. Oh and, my gosh! You know, just yeah. like it was like very like you know different different yeah. than now. Interims were you caught you caught an interim. It's like all right, let's go pack my shit. <laughs> you're on you notice. An interim, another one like you're gone. Yeah, yeah. So just different times. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I we had a senior class in front of us and. Uh, looking back on that experience, it's wild to me how much we depended on our senior class. Completely. Then, and we had great trainers, but essentially what you're doing mm-hmm. is you're putting this group that has two and a half more months experience mm-hmm. than you do, and you yeah. know maybe you you know maybe they have experience somewhere else, but you know you're treated like you're born the day you're hired in that era. Yes. So, a quarter you, of your class was going to disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, like, a given. It was just how it was. Yeah. And it was like almost hearing from the generations before us, like they would even tell people at the table, like, you know, 25% of you are going to be gone. <laughs> it's like, snap. Right. You yeah. don't know anything about us. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Is that, is that a quota you yeah. have to meet? And then our group not having a senior class, like we were from tack on, we were kind of figuring out our own way. There was no pass down really other than like, oh shit, B-shift's tough, bro. Yeah. Um, it was just like, all right, well. And like I said, the group that I came with, like rock stars. Mm-hmm. So like we just were like, this is how we're going to carry ourselves. This is what we're going to do. And uh, we did. And then, you know, twos is its own animal. Yeah, of course. Sure. We're divided. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just coming back to it. I, de- depending on this small group of people that's essentially in the same position you are, right? I mean, they're still being evaluated. Mm-hmm. They just did it a couple months ahead of you. And so it's not like they're necessarily, you know senior guys on the job that can show you, you know, that can fill that, uh, you know, see one part of the see one, do one, teach one. Yes. Like you, I mean, looking back on it's like, it's wild how little we actually saw in training. Yes. As an example. And and so much of those examples that you saw were this group in front of you. Yeah. They weren't trainers. They were, I mean, I totally get the dynamic of, 
like a crew helping another crew, mm-hmm. you know, navigate that process. But, you know, it throws it's it, they're in a really weird position. Yeah. I, looking back on it, I always thought that that was really strange. I mean, I, I love that dynamic of we're going to help you. You can share the knowledge. We're going to disseminate this information between, you know, classes as they come through. But but they were the sole example of how we were supposed For to do sure. things. And like the, like I said, the engine that came behind us, like they were good, good people. They got crushed. And like, yeah, what could we offer them? Sure. You know, not a whole lot. Wow. You know, um, but like what you just read, you know, um, when I was at TAC in the trainee group, um, Ed Grenfell. I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet him. Or no, I never I like, heard his name. Don't know him. Yeah, like just generations of Grenfells have been within the fire department. Yep. Um, and he was fantastic. I don't know much about him on the job. I just know about him when he was out at uh, at TAC for the last bit of his career. And he's the one that imparted that knowledge about mindset and like settling yourself about what it's going to be like when we leave, about the process that, that he goes through. You know, I'll never forget. He was like, you know, he got into the backseat of the engine, was like, hey, so just check this out. This is what I do. You know, you're going on a box like you're all jacked up. What I do, I sit in the seat and as I'm putting on my pack, he sings the uh, Beverly Hillbillies song. He's like, listen to a story about a man named Jed. As he's pulling his straps, like this slow cadence. And he's like, this is how I get settled. He's like, this yeah. is what works for me. Find what works for you because you got to get your mind right before we fucking get there. Because like the people on the rig, the people we're going to help. Everybody's counting on you, and you know your family's counting on you to come home. So like, get straight. This is what's important. Yeah. Um, and then that was that. You know, like I said, Bob Walker was on the truck, and he imparted on to me early, like, hey, you know, when I do rig checks, like it's a big rig. There's a lot going on. What do we need to make sure is ready right now, in case something happens? Because like, fucking, you know, five seconds from now we could go on something crazy. Yeah. What's important on this rig? And I've just never forgot those two, those two things, um, those two individuals for imparting that. And like, I just apply that and have, have kind of tried to take it farther and what works for me. Yeah. Um, Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You get out of, I mean, did you get any good fires at station two? Yeah. Yeah. We caught some good work. Right. Yeah. Um, it's funny, right? Like thinking of like, I had some fires on the engine where. It's, it's different now in that, and, and you know, I've had some experience at twos, right? I'm, I'm down there currently. Like I start off, if I'm talking to my recruits I'm gonna go work with or TAC recruits if we're presenting something or whatnot, like expectations, straight up, mm-hmm. right? Because we didn't catch that. It was just like, yeah. you know, you stretch toes for time, you, big flakes, you throw them up in the air, right? Like it was just a yeah. different beast. And and the same thing. It's like, you know, they tell you, hey, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to fires. It's like, all right, well, what, what do we do? And I was thinking on it for a while. Like, I had no grasp, probably for the first year and a half of my career, of what a, a backup team was. Like, a backup line? Yeah. Or, you know, because they weren't like, hey, we, you know, engine two, uh, pull a backup line. It's like, engine two, you got backup. For me, I thought that meant I'm grabbing a fucking long tool and I'm gonna go back these guys up. Oh, okay. So like, yeah. I would do that on fires, and like nobody would correct it. You know, it was just like I'm, I'm gonna go. Hey, hey, I'm going here, and oh, I'm gonna yeah. go pull ceiling. Like, sure. all right, go ahead. Um, just that, it was just laid out so different. Yeah, but absolutely. so we, we caught some fires, right? We caught, uh, you know, pulled some lines and 
and got to go to some work, especially when I got, went to the truck. Um, Mike Glenn was just like, yo, something happens in the city, we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had some stuff in the area, stuff like up in Sevens area where we got to do some roof work. And if, you know, overhaul was a different thing yeah. as well, right? <laughs> so it wasn't like... Yeah. It was like, where's twos? Yep. Or like, hey, the fire, you know, was in the attic a little bit. Sweet. We're cutting off the whole fucking roof. Yes. You know, so like there was definitely a lot of truck work that happened. Take it down to the framing. The whole thing. Inside and outside. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder in this (laughs) 10 by 12 room. (laughs) Get (laughs) every fucking piece of (laughs) sheetrock and then we're going to sweep it up. (laughs) Yeah. Make it really clean. If the smoke touched it, it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we got to destroy a lot of stuff. And uh, I was like, okay, I can can do this job. Mm -hmm. Like. You know, I had no background in trades work, building construction, okay. anything like, um, so I was coming through TAC. I did have some apprehension of like, oh man, like I'm a fucking straight city kid. My dad did not have a toolbox. Yeah. You know, um, we got to take care of these places we're renting. So like I push pins for posters, <laughs> you know, as I'll never forget, man, we're down at, uh, so, uh, Captain Brulee, who was the captain of, uh, of tack when I we went down there and it was our crew that built all of the walls and locker room area in oh, yeah. the blue shed. Yep. So we're down there and like uh, you know we're, we're hammering nails and and he's like I need all these nails over here pulled and I never held a hammer. Okay. In my life. Yeah. 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 So I grab this hammer and I'm like I'm like okay I'm like I know I can fuck <laughs> I can give me a rock I, I know can, the business I end. can hammer yeah. a nail but like how do I use this other end to be, to yeah. be the best leverage right and like so i'm like watching people around me and i like kind of hook the nail and he he just he sees me and he comes up he's like what the fuck's wrong with you braxton don't yeah. you know how to pull a fucking nail and then in my mind i'm like nah man no like first time like, oh, yeah yeah of course and then finally i get a hold of it oh my god um, but yeah I, I it's funny i i tell that to recruits yes especially those with no backgrounds such as myself yep. right it's like Yo, if you, it's just skills, right? It's just, this is just basic skills yep. that you're going to learn and you can go as far as, far as you want with it, right? And, uh, but I'll never forget that. Man. Yeah. Like, well, and you have, every time that comes up, it, it, every time that comes up with somebody, and it will come up. I mean, the more time you have in this job, you will see that over and over with people coming up. And every single time is an opportunity to make a decision about how you're going to handle it and you could and you know nothing against you know uh your tech <laughs> officer yeah. but that's a pretty old school way to handle it and not all the old school guys did that yeah. you could say all right you know there's you know sure maybe you throw out a barb and you embarrass them in front of the entire group mm-hmm. but then okay come over here i'm going to show you how to hold yeah. this hammer yeah, yeah instead of being ashamed that i don't have what i know is an extremely basic skill that everybody around me has and now I'm just going to like, okay, well, what you're teaching me to do is hide uh, my shortcomings or hide the things yeah. that uh, I know that I should know and I don't know how to ask for. And then time goes by and it's like, well, I never learned that incredibly basic thing. Yeah. Where when you look back, it may have come down to a moment in time when you were incredibly vulnerable right? and you're self-conscious about every single thing mm-hmm. that you're doing. And here's a salty dog with a you know, a giant cookie duster screaming at you about you don't know how to do something you know you don't know how to do. Yes. I mean, yeah. there are so, and I've seen you do that. I've seen you like, like uh, this last, in July when we were doing vent out at, at Twos with the TAC group. And somebody had obviously never swung a hammer before. Yes. And you're like, hey, hey, this is like, 
don't hold it right up. I mean, honestly, like literally do not hold it up against the head. Just choke your grip down, down to the end. You'll get a lot more power out of it. And you're not, you, you know, you have to swing it half as many times. And if you got a really stubborn nail, just instead of levering it back all the way, do it to the side, get mm -hmm. it started and then pull it out. And it was like, and then you walk, you only had to say it once. And now that person was doing it the rest of the day. No problem. And then now that establishes the relationship that you have with that person. It's like, hey, I'm going to, if there's an opportunity to help, yeah. then I'm going to take that opportunity from the beginning. And yeah. then now you're a resource instead of somebody to be frightened of. For sure. I share that. Like, it's usually during vent days of the truck ops. Like, I, I tend to share that story um, because now we're working, we're working with saws, right? We're working with the circ saws, chainsaws. And that blew me out of the water when we first started doing that. I was like, man, like, all right, I guess. I think it's just important. To realize like yeah we all come from so many different backgrounds but yeah. you're all going to get to the same place and, yep. and uh, one of the recruits that i have on shift right now um you know she especially was like that story meant so much to me because it's like yeah like it, seeing what seeing where i'm at now in my career that i'm instructing these truck skills right. from search to vent or whatever and you know not to put myself up here but it's like yeah like i have a a, a skill set i've got 20 years of experience doing it and like you're gonna 20 years from now you're gonna be in the same yes. same spot um yeah yeah but that, that moment does stick in my head as oh, to yeah. when he was like we don't know to, what like, is wrong with so, you yeah. like, no. what i don't know what is wrong with me yeah I, I, no i've never yeah yeah i didn't have a dad yeah, I don't. It's it's wild, and it scales too because today it's a hammer, and tomorrow it's a chainsaw. Oh, completely right. And like, where do you take that? Right? It's like, hey, you know, I remember the first time cutting uh, like a tongue and groove ceiling inside of a house with a chainsaw. I was like, well, I've never done this before, but I've run this chainsaw in some crazy positions, crazy conditions. Like, yeah, I can fucking do this. Right. You know, I and I think that's that was the main drive. Is like you're going to learn these basic skills. You're going to get comfortable working in comfortable, uncomfortable situations and circumstances. And that is just going to, that foundation of that is going to continue to build for the next unexpected thing because you're like, yo, I got this. Like, yes, you know, all right, let's go. Yeah. In our, um, in our station, we talk about, <clears throat> we talk about, um, that's synthesis is the, is not knowing what you know. So there, you know, you can, and it's tough, you know, without a diagram but you know there's things that you know that you know there's things that you know that you don't know like mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know how to hold this hammer and there's things that you don't know that you know and that's where you synthesize experience um from different things like well i know about this and i know about this so maybe i can put these two together to yes. solve this problem that's in front of me for sure but it doesn't happen without having that foundation of knowledge yeah so <clears throat> yeah i love that so coming out of coming out of twos you get through Yep. And, and, uh, boom, get sent out to the real world. Yeah. Right? Like, and, uh, the, the change from now of when, you know, the, the continual refinement of twos is to have it reflect as much as possible what you're going to do out in the field. And at that time, it, it did not mm -hmm. whatsoever. <laughs> So. As long as you can make the time standard, you know. Yeah. The, then you, then Take, make the time fine. standard. Don't ask any fucking questions. Yeah. Stay busy in the station. Something needs to be due. Do it. And like you know, some good fundamental things, right? Like, sure. Hey, you know, you want to you want to create good first impressions are real. They're they're an important thing. So how do you do that? But no, like, you know, these guys are going to take you in and like you know show you the way. It's just like don't be a bother. Um, 
but no, I mean, I landed in a great spot. I went and finished my probation at 25. So. Okay. Um, it was unique in that, uh, you know, most everybody in my class, if they weren't medics, went to Kelly Relief at a double company. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a shift. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I took uh, Jamie Ziegler was maybe had a year, year and a half on me, and he was on a shift, I think, holding a soft spot, and he bumped to Kelly Relief. Um, one of my trainers on a different engine from twos was on engine 25 and I just now I'm on engine 25 a shift um, So the downside I didn't get a lot of truck time but the upside I worked with a ton of the guys whose names are on the rafters at 25s right now You know people who had been there yeah. a long time working together a long time um, Yeah, that's where I landed which was outstanding um, You know the so you were you you were on the rig with EB? And I was on the Gil? rig with EB, and, EB and Gill. We're wow. on the rig. Uh, Kurt Schatz was the officer. Um, he was came from twos, went to twenty fives. On the truck was Lyons, um, Bob Lemon, Schaefer, and Roger Wills. And I think Roger probably at the time had just shy of twenty years on the rig. Big generational difference, right? Like uh, for our class, we were kind of on that generational change for the department. So there were majority of the people in the fire department had 25 years on right so you would show up at these houses and like it's like i'm working with my dad yeah you know my dad's only 22 years older than me okay you know so i'm working with guys older than my dad um so yeah and to see their dynamic and the love that they had for each other and you know how long they had been there and i remember meeting eb and gill and then i told stens afterwards like that's us (laughs) And back, back then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we no knew. Kidding. We knew. Like, it was like, you know, part of it was like, you got the the black white dynamic, yeah, yeah. like the different, you know, I'm Stan's Legrand guy, I'm oh, a, you that. know, the city guy. And the EB and Gill had their very, like, their dichotomy was so big, but like the, the love they had, the camaraderie, how long they'd worked together, like, we call ourselves right there. We're like the next, we're the next EB. And this Gil. is it. Yeah. Like, we're those. <laughs> Ebony guys. and Ivory. Yeah. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, so I got to experience, experience that, which was fantastic. Like, um, growing in my career, again, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And there was so much more that could have been being put in that situation with such experienced firefighters um, that I try to share now myself when I come across. We, we don't catch a lot of junior people at Sevens just because of the nature yeah. of being a technical team. Sure. Um, but, like... You know, I remember just one day at Sevens when Kevin Dolphin was new, he came up to me and he was like, hey, man, how do you know when it's too hot? Like, when do you got to get out? And like, I was just blown away. I was like, fuck, Kevin. Like, I wish I had asked that question. Yeah. The guys that I worked with when I first came in, like, they knew that answer. But instead, I was busy. Like, what tools do I need to paint? Like, uh don't sit in recliner like zig never sits in recliners you know like don't yeah. ever sit in a, you know just just different m- framework of what i was thinking about yes. and um sp- speaks highly of like where kevin was at and like what he desired my desires were just like yo i'm not going to create ways i'm going to take care of business laundry's me like i'm going to do my best when we catch the fires yeah um, but like missed opportunity on my end and i think just a, a cultural missed opportunity in our fire department that existed and, and still exists to some extent as to like what can i impart and more importantly like what should i impart 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome being able or willing to ask those questions because you put yourself in a vulnerable position by saying like, dude, I don't know anything about this. Can you, can you tell me? And we don't, but you know, I think that's a, I think that's a training scar. I mean, from that era of training, you weren't, I don't, at least I, I mean, I got hired long after you did that. I was not, I did not feel like the environment encouraged people to ask even the most basic questions not at all you were i mean like they were told hey man just keep your mouth shut keep your head down yes take care of business be the be the be first while i'm with your work ethic you know yeah exactly yeah you know they'll tell you when to stop and not to say like those guys like they were fantastic to me right they included me yeah like you know bob would come pick me up in my apartment to take me to the you know go play hoops and stuff like they were so great in so many ways like um, and I learned a ton from them, but yeah, it's just, just a different mentality, especially from my end. Like you're saying, like, what do we do as a new person in the station? Like you just grind, you know, you're not there to soak up. You're, you're there to like, you know, make a good and infre- first impression for those three months. <laughs> right. And then you're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And then, and then you tend to go back to that place. You know, people tend to go, you know, at, at that time, especially like, oh, I did my probation here. Yep. Like you go back and work there. Yes. Um, but yeah. It was, why, do you, why do you think that? I mean, do you think, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they know you're gone after two and a half months and it's not, I mean, you, you were on a shift, so at least you were working with the same mm-hmm. guys every day. But, um, like I also did my probation at 25s and, you know, Kelly relief, like was the, what, you know, standard was normal. And, you know, you'd be on, you'd work th- four days, four shifts, and then get three off instead mm-hmm. of two and yeah. then rotate between the shifts. I mean, do you, like, I mean, those guys had that information. They had that knowledge, that experience, and that judgment. I mean, did do you think was it a cultural thing that they didn't necessarily talk about those parts of the job, or the fact that they knew you were gone? And you know, what? yeah, no, I, I, I think it's just we have, we have a, that's a missing piece within our department's culture of like, what does it mean to be a senior member you know yeah what is your responsibility and whether you're doing that or not like you're imparting something you're imparting well we don't do that like you grow you grow in the department oh we just that's just think that's just not what we fucking do yeah you don't even think about it right right versus organizations where it's like yo you're not doing your job if you're not Mm. sharing your experience with junior members or even not even just junior members just everybody so that we can all grow and learn because we're not catching reps every single day yes you know and even those departments that do catch more reps than we do they share more than we do so i think it's just it's just a missing piece of who we were it's a missing piece of who we are by Mm -hmm. and large but you know i think there are people who are really dissatisfied with that and uh i know for myself like yeah like i think you're not doing your you're not doing your job if you're not sharing what you know yeah and sharing what you don't know right it's like i think 100%. i think uh you know i tell i tell the recruits i tell people when i'm in classes like like yo i'm a full-time student part-time teacher you know what i mean yeah. like i'm catching reps here with you guys yeah it might be visual reps but like every class that i do everything that i every training i go to i learn something new and like i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna apply it to what i share with that next group right that's the mentality um 
And I think it's just, it was just different. Yeah. Back then. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm, it is, yeah, it's a very difficult thing to create because there's not, I mean, even with the expectations that we have clearly laid out, I don't know that there's necessarily a ton of accountability to each other or yeah. the material that we're supposed to be responsible for the the knowledge or the tactics you know and so then you scale that to something that's very intangible or um or less explicit like the roles and responsibility of a senior firefighter mm-hmm. it becomes that much more difficult and and difficult to like create and then maintain that thing yeah what are the expectations mm-hmm. and there there aren't really it's just yeah. left to the individual yeah so but nothing written there's no course, manual yeah there's nothing it's all over the yeah. place but but you coming into 25s especially in that in that era you know in like the early 2000s um there were senior firefighters all over the place just like you said and you are you know, you to some degree were watching what they were doing, everything they were doing, and whether you knew it or not, whether they knew it or not, you, they were creating a pattern or a, a blueprint for a model that you could potentially follow when you got to that got to that point. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And that was the same way when I got to Station One. It was, I mean, there were senior firefighters all over the place, yeah. and I found that it was almost impossible to connect with any of them. Like I got much more out of the the members that had, you know, anywhere from like four to eight years in because yes. they knew what I was going through For sure. and they were, they knew what it was like to not know and they weren't necessarily expected to know everything. And yeah. so they were, they could be comfortable like, I don't know that let's go figure it out yeah. as opposed to, you know, a lot of the guys that had a ton of time on and they may or may not have known. I would have uh-huh. known. I would, you know, it was sort of like some of the drills were like, all right, we're going to set this up and you watch. Yeah. And then maybe you get something out of it. And then once that's done, the privilege of the senior man was to be left alone. Okay. Yeah, I think the detriment that I had was not being maybe Kelly Relief because I didn't get to interact with mm. some of the younger members in the station. And like you said, like picking up from that shift, like I don't want to like speak badly. Because like, I mean, like I loved my time there. Um, and like you said, what I did pick up was, the, you know, a love for the job, a love for who you're working with, that type of shared deepness and, and family that they had and that they included me in. Um, but like, you know, I think about my own parents, like I, I'm my dad, right? Like you, you grow it like I'm basically my fucking dad, <laughs> right? Well, you got a toolbox. I got so I got I definitely have a toolbox now, right? Um but you know, like you look, like personally, I look back and I think about them and and what they're trying to. My parents, right? I'm speaking about. They want me to be a little better than them, right? It's what I want for my kids. I'm. I know I'm gonna. I'm trying to share who and what I am, my my beliefs, my values, what I what I feel is important, um, and, and to level them up. Same thing has to be for us in the fire service, right? What what did you learn? What, what was given to you? what are you going to do better? Yeah. Right? And it was like, all right, well, this is something like I want to do better. I know that we can do better as a group. Yeah. Um, but something individually like, yeah, this is, this is something mm-hmm. like, this has to exist. So that's, you know, that can be difficult because it sort of forces you to aim 
the weapon of truth at yourself. Completely. And yeah. in terms of identifying things that you've done, things that you want to do better, you know, what your blind spots are yeah. and areas for improvement. So, I mean, is that something that comes naturally to you, you think? I think in some ways trying to reflect, like I, do, I try to reflect upon my actions and my words. Um, you know, I, it's for the guys at twos now, like they're always like, huh, what'd you say? And I'm like, oh man, I'm just talking to myself. Like I, I do a lot of self-talk. Like I have a, like a little uh-huh. mantras and sayings that I say to myself, right? Or things that I think, you know, um, you know, I always think, you know, better than yesterday, worse than tomorrow for myself, just my own growth, whatever I may be undertaking. So yeah, just reflecting on what I do, what can I do better? Um, this job forces you to, or fucking should, right? Because, you know, people out there depend on us, not just people on the rig, but the people we're responding to. Like, we we work in a job that at times is on the edge of life and death. So you better bring it. And knowing that we fuck up every fire. I fuck mm-hmm. up every fucking fire. Yeah. So I, I better reflect upon that, share with the other guys, the other people, so that they can learn from it. And I need to learn from it. Um, so one of the expectations I talk to you about with the recruits is, you know, what some may see as like a mistake I see as a training opportunity. It's an opportunity of learning, right? Absolutely. It's a mistake if you do it again. If you don't learn from it and do it again, now you made a mistake. Yeah. So just trying to hold myself accountable within that. And uh, so I don't know if it's just part of who I am, you know, just from athletics, right? Like you fuck up a play, like... You know, what's the coach going to say? What are you going to do about it? How do you reflect upon your actions to improve, to deliver and carry it over to here? A little part of just, you know, my own who I am, but also just understanding the importance of this of this job and being put in those situations where, like, like you said, we we come out of twos, not super prepared for what the real world is. Yeah. Made a lot of mistakes, learned what I didn't know in like hostile environments and being like oh fuck like i need to train i need to go learn this and if i'm not going to learn it here i need to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. and learn it and who else wants to come yeah you know so so what what i mean let's talk about that i mean was that was there a moment or was there like a series of fires that you were on where you thought dude i don't i don't have what i need yeah, there were definitely moments, right? Like I, I, uh, I always, I learned really early on that like default aggressive on our job, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, we had accountability, but like it was also very free flowing. Mm-hmm. You know, truck work at Station Two super different than truck work out in the fire department. Like, I, what blew me away is you were we were never told that like you're not gonna have a partner when you're on the truck. Because if you're on a straight stick, there's always guys ready. Yes. You go to a tiller truck, it's like you're by yourself. One, truck officer is probably going to be in command if it's first due. And if we're not first due, um, because a single truck goes to a house fire, like, and we're splitting, like, they probably don't even have their fucking turnouts on. Because it was definitely a thing where, guys, you just jump on the rig and turn out on the way. And then, you know, grab your tool set. And as the the inside firefighter, you're just like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. so it definitely has some, you know, one experience at search, you know, when I, when I finally made the sevens, um, I was Kelly relief there for a while and Kelly relief there. You did three on the truck, one on the engine, had a good three story townhouse fire in the middle of the night, 29s area. It was pretty close to sevens. Um, we got there, I'm the jump seat firefighter. It's blowing out floor one front and back. 
um, auto extended to two. You know, I'm like, okay, I kind of I know I got to search the fire area and I'm searching away. I had a sense that I was going to be by myself. It's like, okay, well, this is a three-story joint, right? I'm done with one. Now I'm going to two. Nobody else is up on two. It's hot as shit. Lights out. I'm searching two. Well, two is not the bedroom level townhome, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just living space, yeah, kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm done with two. I got to go to three. I got a decision to make. Nobody knows where I'm at. Nobody's with me. I'm still a relatively young firefighter. I think I had four years in. And that's that's when it clicked. Like It's like my search game. I need to up the ante. Like I'm not, this isn't where I need to be in this position. Um, that was a moment. Like I said, the default aggressive. Like I, I knew I knew that like, you know, you pull up on a fire, like you could go get work if you fucking wanted to get work. So I would tunnel in like where the work was. Um, did I exactly know what I was going to do when I was there? Not so much. But yeah. that, that was one of those situations where like, yeah, my skill set is incomplete. Let's fill this out. Um, forcible entry was another one, you know, right? Like, what blows me away, man? Like, we had a fucking tool called the Portland Door Opener. I, right? yes. That just went off the rigs, what, like five years ago, maybe? There's yeah. still some around, like hanging on walls. And yeah, shit. there's a couple in the museum at once. Yeah, like just big ads, right? And I've, I've used it on door props now. I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, you can force a door with this. Like, you didn't know what that tool was no i mean you knew from your tool talk the irons right like they looked good they had that nice little yeah fucking velcro wrapping handle you know yeah yeah gleaming you could talk tool use maintenance and safety right the tums yeah talk all day about it don't know how to use it not the first thing about using it ever ever yeah like you know i remember asking like well how do we open doors well you kick them yeah. Just be sure you're not facing forward because you'll fuck up your knee. Yes. You'll, you'll kick the door. That was our forcible entry that training. That was forcible entry. Turn backwards when you yeah. kick the door open. Yeah, we had a fire at twos, man. Like an apartment fire. I was on the engine and uh, it was like a bottom floor apartment. And uh, we had to go check for extension upstairs, top floor apartment. And uh, I'm like leading the way up the stairs. I got all these regulars with me, like guys on my crew. And I get to the top of the door and I you know, I'm go to the handle. It's locked. I'm like, I'm like it's locked. And they're I hear this. Well, open it then. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. All right, turn around. Kick the fuck out of this door. Blew it up. Blew it off its frame, you know. Yeah. There's no fire extension in this place, right? And we get back to the rig. And Nick Weichel, he's all my crew, he's like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, what do you mean, man? Somebody told me to. And he's like, yeah. He's like, that was me. <laughs> I was like, oh. I mean, I, I kicked the shit out of some doors, right? And yeah. it works until it doesn't work. Um, and definitely we had a, had a commercial fire, right? Charlie side strip mall fire. Yeah. Outward opening metal on metal door. Yep. Go use the Halligans, use the ax. Not really sure how to use this and felt pretty exposed, pretty like down. Sure. Damn. I just failed. Like, you know, and just, just identifying things like that. And then I, I was fortunate, like right after twos, I got into a, a group, I forget who I went with, but we, we hit FDIC a number of times, um, like year one and a half to two years in the fire department. Okay. I started going back to FDIC, took some, you know, vent class, large area search class, firefighter survival class, back when class size was significantly smaller, so you yeah. caught reps. And uh, I think that's where some of that, like that reflection, what this job is, we got to fucking keep growing came from, like you go... You know, I remember the firefighter survival class. It was uh, Salka's first time delivering it. And they had these 
two-story row homes that were we got to use and it was all fdny new jersey dudes putting on this class for us and like just the information that they imparted on like how to stay oriented in a room how to like what your mindset needs to be when you need to like bring down your breathing you know in these in these escape props like it was just like yeah like okay you know like drop dropping knowledge and just realizing that there's so much out there yeah and then getting exposed on those fires of like forcible entry and search being like i gotta go find that stuff now yeah it's out there somewhere right you know something you can use yeah yeah so so fdi so early in your career so you went to fdic like i went back uh, like oh four oh five wow yeah you went back that way um, and then just started, uh, took a lot of extrication classes from, you know, Pialops just up the road, right? Mm-hmm. So like took their whole series a number of times, took whatever class would pop up locally. Yeah. Um, well, super easy to take classes nowadays. Oh, it's, yeah. Not so easy it's back incredible. then. Right. Like it was really FDIC was the game or I think they had like fire engineering West on in California. And, yeah. Um, but it was just really just kind of finding like-minded individuals or just, I realized my missed opportunity for not asking those questions to senior members when I was new. So when I had senior members from our department or just other departments running through these, going to these conferences, like asking questions, like, what about this? How do you do this? Um, and like, you know, just knowledge being given. Yeah. What was that, like bringing that knowledge back now? What was that like with the guys you were working with? Good and bad, for sure. You know, we I got the sevens pretty early on. It okay, forty ones at the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like different. The station was a different beast, definitely. Like uh, not the best reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I had a year and a half in when I put in. We all did. Like there was like eight of us that put in. Seven of us got there, and we all had under two years in. Okay. Yeah. And and the people were like, oh, why do you want to go there? Like, well, they're fucking double company east side, man. Like, you always hear yeah. 41's boxes. Why wouldn't we? Worst truck in the bureau. You'd hear that all the time. I have worst, heard that. Worst truck in the bureau. Yeah. Like, what? what you, these guys go to more than anybody. How the worst truck? Well, then you go there and learn, like, awesome dudes, good senior guys, some really good truck firefighters. Um, but, you know, the, their legacy, they were hazmat, a six-person engine for 20 plus years together at these different stations you know old sixes now they're at 23s six person engine at 23s get some right <laughs> these guys fucking took care of business yeah you know on at fires on the engine well now you take that team you want to make it eight and you stick them at a double company so you take people who have been on an engine crew 20 25 years you put them on the truck mm. yeah like probably not going to be the best right. to start with um, so, you know, just like, all right, well, good for us. Like we're going to, we, we, you know, sign us up. So we all eventually yeah. got there. We're all young on the engine together. So I'm again, like I, I progressed through the early part of my career to even now working with Stens, like old 45s, so 31s. We were mm-hmm. there together, 28s together, um, going to sevens together. So like our sharing lights out outstanding, you know? Yeah. Um, sharing across to the senior guys to other shifts not super well received Mm -hmm. um but it was just like well fuck it like this is what we're gonna do okay i got to the truck pretty early 
you know, I did a, like I said, a year of Kelly relief. I did a year on the engine, um, with Tony Baldwin stands and Jay Fink. And then like just those mass retirements were happening throughout the department. Yeah. Retirement on the truck. Boom. You want to spot on the truck? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, why I'm here. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I want to spot on the truck. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, eventually Sten's making it over the truck and just like, yo, this is what, this is what we're going to do. Um, taking those outside trainings, those outside experiences, taking just what we were learning rep-wise ourselves, how we needed to improve our own skill sets, and then deciding how can we fit what we do, what's expected of us, what we carry on the rig inside of our own tactical OGs in a way that works for us. And then just go. That's, and that's what we did. Yeah. You know, we're like... You know, that's how our riding positions came up was like, I remember being on the truck <clears throat> before he came over and, you know, I rode the inside for, you know, a couple years, you know, so God, I was searching by myself and just thinking about like at that time, right? Single truck, inside firefighter, you're bringing everything. Oh yeah. Axon, four foot pike pole, fucking tick, maybe the can, right? And just learning like, I need to shed this. I can't care. Why am I having an ax? Like, I don't need a fucking ax. Why right. do I have a four foot? I got a, a ceiling pulling tool. I'm going to pull ceiling, you know, learned how to use the irons. Irons come with me. Halligans come with me. Like, and that's all I need. Um, and then taking that to the other positions, you know, now I'm, now I'm tillering. And all I can think about going to a fire is, hey, if I beat Larry Fellows to the fucking sock apartment, I'm cutting. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about, going yeah. to a fire. Not like, what are we going to? Mm-hmm. What's, it, what's it when we show up? So just kind of like, again, reflecting on that, like, yo, that's, that's the wrong thing. Like, this all needs to be figured out. And talking with Stens about that, like, we can change this. Like, we're both together now. Larry, awesome senior guy shit ton of experience more than willing to like like be he was super receptive to like Larry we want to do these positions man what do you think he's like yeah just draw it up and let's talk about it and sure we'll give it a try okay yeah so really receptive on our crew like yeah Larry's outstanding um so that's what that's what I did I started I like like I told you earlier I like to write yeah so I was like writing this stuff out Come bounce it off of stems, refining it, write it out, bounce it off of stems. Like, all right, we got it. This yeah. is what we're gonna do. And uh, got a lot of flack from other other shifts, people on other shifts, right? Like, did you have your boss's support with the concept? Yeah, I mean, like, again, thinking about that senior firefighter thing, right? Like, since I've been at Sevens, and I think almost all my career, wherever I was at, I've always worked captain shift. Okay, just how it lands. I've had eight captains since I've been at Sevens, right? Officers are not the continuity of the station. Yes. Right? They don't drive station culture. Firefighters drive station culture. Yes. And now we have an opportunity where, like, we're all on our shift, a shift. Other than Larry, we're all pretty fucking junior. Larry and Tony, Tony Baldwin, right? And it's it's my truck company. It's my truck crew. Larry's my senior guy. Stens is with me. It's like, you know, it just kind of got to where it was like, you get, like, hey, we're, we're going to do this. Yeah. Like, all right, guys. <laughs> Like, you know, like, so sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Let's do it. You know, it's not outside of what we're, what we're being asked on fires. Still getting the same work done. Same work, same stuff. It was just like, Hey, Hey cap, like, what do you think about bringing this? And then we're going to bring this stuff and we're going to go look here. Um, and that's where you can expect like us to be. And like, like, which always has boggled me about resistance to riding positions, especially from officers because, because it like, 
they know where we're at. They know what we're doing. Yes. They accountability check, you know, and then especially afterwards where you're like, yo, how'd this get mixed missed? You know who to talk to, or more importantly, you hear like, you're telling them like, Hey, we got to go do this. They know what's going to be missed and can fill, fill that spot. Yeah. Right? So absolutely. Like, it's just, and I think that's, you know, I had really good captains at sevens. Um, like where it's just like, yeah, makes sense. Let's go guys. Go, go for it. Yeah. Not as so well-received other shifts. So it was just kind of like, all right, printed them out and, you know, plasticized them, plasticized my thoughts on search. And then we're just like pinned it on the fucking kitchen board. You guys might not want to do this, but a shift, this is what we're doing. You guys catch a trade or a call shift on a shift and you want to work on the truck. Like this is what we're doing, which is interesting because it's, it's definitely, there's still friction course across the department sure discussion amongst members at the sh- at the station yeah but like it's it's a different environment um and stens and i were reflecting on it the other day mm-hmm. because it was like felt like every move we were trying to make or just even if it was just us tra- going out and training going to conferences or, or teaching like we caught a decent amount of flack you know kind of like oh here they come what, yeah. what are you guys going to tell us now you know it's just it was a lot of a lot of friction so when we first put those writing positions on the board it was more of like a like all right here you go yeah here it, it wasn't it wasn't like a hey guys you know <laughs> you know <laughs> hey what do you think about yeah. maybe you know you know but it's it's changed right it's just like now it's it's expected new members come come into the house the sheets get passed like yeah hey, this is where you, this is what we were you know what you're responsible for um where we'll be this is why and uh it's like oh yeah sweet Thanks for that. Now I know I know expectations where to be where I'm at, and, and yeah. it, it opens up conversations for maybe for those who aren't who aren't op- or used to writing positions. Like, well, why are you doing this? And then then it just like now let's let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's do it. You know, um, and I will I say that with with the positions and like so you know window based search or mm-hmm. steep roof ops. It's like let's let's take the Pepsi challenge, man. Yeah, you open like you know the old like here's we're not going to label it, but here's Coke and here's Pepsi. Yes. Taste which one's better. Yep, you know, and like uh, if you're really interested in perfecting your craft, and you take the Pepsi challenge, sure, there's no way you're not going to put it in your own skill set, of course, or, or mindset. Well, you're actively choosing to not do something that is optimal. Yeah, yeah, it it becomes a conscious decision. I mean, it, it is odd how. I don't know. I mean, I wish I understood. I wish we understood that part of human behavior because <clears throat> I don't know if certain ideas or concepts get tied to an individual yeah. or group of people. I think that's part of it, for and, sure. And then it becomes a ad hominem argument or, or you know, like, oh, I don't like this person, so whatever they say doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Rather than, well, let's look at this for what it is. And I think... It goes both ways too, because there's people, <clears throat> there's people with great reputations. They'll say something, and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's that sounds right." I mean, l- look at this guy, he's he's dynamite. Mm-hmm. And then, well, let's let's actually examine what that is. So there's a fallacy both directions. Yeah. If if a, if an idea gets tied to a person, and I I think that, <clears throat> I mean, ultimately, if every idea could get evaluated for its worth as opposed to other things about that idea that don't matter, yeah. then we'd be able to, you know, have an honest conversation about it. Well, we do it in so many different aspects of our lives. 
which is why why would we not do it in an occupation that lives are on the line yeah right like i want to know how something to do it like with technology oh, let's look at youtube let's look at what's out there and then you like try it and you're like nah you're like oh yeah that's sweet let's do that but like with this fucking job where it's like at any second it could be the craziest thing yeah so like why aren't we planning for everything to tackle that craziest thing and then we can adapt from there yeah and i think you know it's like it's easy to get frustrated right but frustration doesn't get you anywhere you know yeah other than just like you know shit talking in of course room, right versus like all right well let's just keep taking positive steps and that's all it's been and it's positive steps coupled with what you said right as as time goes by people get to know you better you're not some fucking cowboy they they, they realize like there's thought process to it it's it's industry best practices like and and the willingness to like admit when you're not right um so like they can see that reflection and, and then and then it's like all right yeah let's let's give it a taste yeah you know, and that's all that's needed. So just kind of personally, just keeping that mindset. Yes. Trying not to be frustrated with things. At first, pretty fucking frustrated, which is why I went on the board, right, with a push pin. Like, hey, well, this is what we're doing. Everyone's on notice. Yeah. This is just what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, it's tough for me personally because I am not somebody that necessarily is great at, like, developing and cultivating relationships. Mm-hmm. But as time goes by... It feels more and more that relationships are at the heart of every effort, especially the the effort that that we are engaged in yes. this job. Yeah, and developing like if you have this, you know, if you have a relationship with somebody, then it's much less likely that the argument will come down to something about you personally yeah. as opposed to an idea. And yeah, I, it's just. It can be it can be really tough to develop those relationships, especially with people that you disagree with. Completely. But it's so much more. It's it's one of the best things about working in the firehouse. Really, is that you can have, you know, if you've got that great crew and you have a relationship with that crew, you can disagree about everything in the world. You can disagree about politics. Mm-hmm. You can disagree about religion. You can disagree about, you know, some people think sports are super important. <laughs> But you can disagree about all those things. And if you have that foundation of trust and respect and that you're going to be where you need to be when I need you to be yeah. there, then it's all it's all on the table. Yeah. This is not a job. It's not a job. Like, I call it the job a lot. But when I say it in my mind, it's capital letters. Right? It's the fucking job. Right? It's not a job. It's not a normal workspace that we're in. Like, yeah. We've decided to put our lives on the line for people we don't fucking know. And we've decided to do it together. And we have to have that trust in each other, right? I got to depend on you. Your family's depending on me. My family's depending on you. So, yeah, we of course, if we can't not have disagreements in yeah. the firehouse, like, how are we going to fucking be for, there for each other when it really counts? And that's, like we said earlier, people are the best thing. This is our, you don't choose your family. Like, and the guys I work with are my family. I mean, you have somewhat of a choice here because you can be like, I want to work on this ship. I want to go here. Right. But like, I don't know. Yeah. So what, I mean, that mindset that you're talking about, what keeps, what keeps that part of you sharp? I mean, in terms of, I don't know. I mean, you can call it a bunch of different things, a sense of purpose or, you know, a, a mindset or, you know, whatever it is. Like what, you know, after 20 years of doing this, at 
a, a, at a station that has a very, you know, active op tempo, like what keeps, what do you keep coming back to, to maintain that mindset and to keep it sharp? Choice. I always think about choice because yeah, we, you know, maybe we get to do more. We do more of like everything, right? Like there's to get more good calls, you got to have more bad calls, <laughs> more crap calls. Yep. Right. So I remind myself completely about choice, like one to to let the not let the frustrations or the aggravations of having things interrupted, whether it be workouts, meals, sleep, whatever it is. It's like I choose to be here. Why do I choose to be here? Because I want to be here with this group of guys, and I want to go to more. I want to go to the real calls. This is where I'm going to be. Um, I think about my family. My family is depending on me to come home. I'm in a job of uncertainty, so I need to control what I can to make that the reality that mm-hmm. I fucking come home. Yeah. I better be good at this. I better be have my mind right when I show up on emergencies. Um, the people that we're here to serve right that's what they expect of me you know they expect my best during their worst time yeah so i just try to take ownership of that mm-hmm. and i try not to lose sight of what this job really means yeah we have to you know the job's great like fuck, what are we gonna eat today you know what what movie do we want to do like what am i gonna yeah. squeeze in my workout but underlying current for me is always like anytime any fucking where shit can happen you know, we had fires with entrapment blocked from the station. You know, like yes, anytime. Are you ready? Right, right. So, like, I think about that always. Um, I think about that on my way to work um, to get my mind right. Just like what you read earlier, I think about it when I fucking show up. Like, I'm a per- I'm a person of a pattern and plans. Right? I have to have shit planned out. You know. My wife, she's more fly by the seat of her pants. We work well together. Like, yeah. well, she knows when we're traveling. Like, it's like, I've got my list of like, these are some good places to fucking eat. Yeah. This is where I'm going to sleep. Right. You know, I just plan out. So like, I, it carries over to the, to the job, um, where I put my stuff, how I hang my stuff. Am I ready? Is my helmet fully unratcheted, set up for wearing my mask? And when I go to a car wreck, I, I ratchet it tight, right? Everything's set up for fire. Is my tool set ready? Yeah. My iron's ready to go. You know, I keep the same fucking pattern. I still, I still, uh, after I put my stuff on the rig and I'm in my room, you know, I still talk to myself in the mirror. Like, I tell myself, like, if somebody's trapped, I'm going to find them. I'm going to get myself out and I'm going to get them out. Yeah. You know, just to, just to give that mental check. Um, I look to see who's working around us, you know, what's their game like. Yep. You know, um, and then I go about my day, right? Uh, I start my day with working out. You know, just like you, you do. You talked about like every morning before roll call, I'll, I go downstairs and yeah. try to grind, you know, um, with a thought of betterment of myself. For multi, you know, it's, it's evolved, as, especially as I get older. Yeah, you know, of like, course. Like, uh, maybe mobility wide today. <laughs> mobility. <huh? laughs> I mean, shit, half of the workouts, yeah. mobility and warming up, you know. But like, I, you know, I remember back in the day, man, when I first got hired, I used to like, I'm like benching. I'm like, this one's for Stins. <laughs> this one's for Big Nate. You know, like thinking like, I got to get these guys out. Like, this one's for me. This one's for my mom. Yeah. You know, like just, you know, like pushing myself to like, I want to be able to count on my own physical ability. Yes. If that counts for anything, you know, at that time, I want to be ready. So yeah, I hold it. I hold that thought always. Um, and I want to be in a spot where I can make a difference. That's why I signed up. 
Yeah. Like, I want to fucking make an impact on people's lives. And, you know, as that's evolved, as I'm in the fire service through time, I want to make an impact in the, the lives of, of the people that I work with and the people coming up behind me. Yep. Um, because, yeah, my time here is finite as well. Like, what's your legacy going to be? What's my legacy going to be? Yes. You know? Um, and it's just the knowledge that you can pass down. Like, the skills that you've gained, hard fought. Share them because, like, that's going to save lives in the future. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, like, those skills, those experiences will stand the test of time. Um, that's, that's what we have. To, that's what I have to do. Yeah. So Absolutely. So we were talking about, um, you know, leaving a legacy and thinking about the next generation of people that's coming up. And um, obviously that's something that you've gone out of your own way like getting out of your routine to go to station two yeah. and work on the truck and help with that like tell me about your you know decision to go to twos and what that experience has been like it's been fantastic uh both opportunities uh first time right like uh i always knew that at some point i'd want to go back down um mm. before i i got hired on uh with portland i i coached high school lacrosse for a little bit oh, okay um, so I had had some experience like of connecting, of, of talking about and delivering skill set to, you know, younger folks and, and just loved it. Yeah. Like it was a fantastic experience. I, I thought I was going to be a teacher for a while there. So I, I knew, and then I just had opportunities through our job to, to have experiences of teaching, you know, like, uh, went to some developing countries a few different times to teach extrication through some nonprofits and then. Um, of course, with brothers in battle, and it was just like it's just it was just a natural natural progression for me. Sure, you know, to be able and, and how important it is I think to share, um, to see. At the time when I first went back, it was a couple years a couple years ago. We were getting we being you know extends myself, Fook, um, other individuals getting tapped more and more to provide some insight on tactics and skills. Um, so like you said, relationships, right? Like had grown and fostered relationships with people at station two, uh, attack personnel to where it was like, like different than those first putting the writing assignments on the wall. Yeah. Right? Like things have been proven things have, and also not just like, like, well, this is how the sevens guys do it. I mean, they're like, Oh, well, Braxton and Stens are, they're pretty I know those guys. Yeah. Those guys are good yeah, guys. We can, yeah, they're easy to talk to. Definitely. They're receptive for back and forth, right? Let's go talk to them. So just knew, like, all right, it's an opportunity. Like, I can come back. I always thought it would be at the end of my career. And then having that uh, that memo come through, like, yo, you can take an assignment yeah. at training and go back to your spot. It was like, all right, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. Um, so, yeah, Stens, Stens went down. And then uh, a little bit of space between what I did. And then I went down. And, uh, yeah, a fantastic time. Yeah. Great experience. It's amazing, sort of like uh, unintended consequences in a positive way. So, the you know, going back to when we had uh, one truck assigned to every R fire. And so now that one truck has every truck job on the fire ground. Yes. Search, vent, you know, and at that time, you know, command, like the first new truck officer took command. Yeah. Which is funny because that was writing assignments. We don't talk about it, but you knew what you were yes, doing. Yes, you already about. knew what you were doing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And then after that tri data study, we got to get the truck numbers up because they wanted to tr close truck companies. And mm -hmm. so to justify it to, you know, city council, this is the way I understand it, the way it was explained to me is that then, okay, well, we're going to add 
another truck to every R fire. So then at every full box assignment, we'll have two truck companies. I mean, what a difference yeah. in the ability to accomplish those roles safely with enough people on the fire ground for the, the, the requirements that may present. Like, whereas we, you know, we'll probably have enough to like, we got enough guys on the first alarm to do this, to do all these jobs. Yes. And then when that memo came out, okay, you know, run numbers are skyrocketing. Here's an opportunity for members at some of these busier companies, uh, these warrior houses to get another opportunity. Let's get new blood into training. Let's give, uh, let's get the, the run numbers down a little bit and give people an opportunity to take a break and then, you know, take that, those experiences uh, back to their home station too, to see yeah. what they're doing at training. Yes. And I mean, incredible. When you look at the list of people that have been rotating in and out of station two, it's just mm-hmm. outstanding and it elevates everybody's game. Completely. And elevated it, my game, man. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, engine op wise, incredibly like that is. Yeah by far my my poorest skill set like because it's changed so much yes i joke i joke with the guys down there you know like oh, engine engine ops is it's being on the engine's cool again you know <laughs> right and in a way it is right like thinking about how like like different hose deployments you know different uh, all our static beds like just you know uh hose operations hose handling um, yeah, well, it's from, members at engine companies taking ownership over yeah, that role. Yeah. And rather than saying, how long do I have to ride this rig before I can be on a truck? They say, I'm on this engine, and I'm going to take ownership of this role and this job on the fire ground yeah. and make the absolute most of it. For sure. This is this is where I'm going to be. And I love that. Yes. I mean, it's it's a it's a new day in engine work. It completely <laughs> is. And it's, it's, it's a new day for, for me to continue to grow, right? Like... Uh, um, listening to how trainers down there, uh, Robbie Hendricks right now is the engine trainer on my shift when I was down there last time, you know, and, and Redmond's down there, Colin Peterson, you know, Chris Durkin was down there, Audrey Tollison last time I was there, and to, you know, look at just how bulk hose load deployments have changed, engine operations have changed, is raising my game of not only what to expect from them on the fire ground, but like, you know, I catch call shifts, trades on the engine, yep. you know, I've never enjoyed being on a nozzle. Right? People think that's weird. They're like, what the? That's like the best position. It's a secret. You can have like, <laughs> like, like, ah, I'd rather be the backup guy, mm. right? Kind of doing the work, um, you know, scattering around. Like, so, like, I, I tend to still ride in that role if I ride on an engine, but I better know how to help deploy this bulk load if, if I do need to stay in the deployment instead of, you know, out yeah. And like, so it's been great for my own growth. And then again, like, to be able to deliver truck skills to to newer firefighters, um, watching, refining their reps just sharpens my game. You know, the skill sets of people coming out of twos now, fucking light years beyond light where, years where I was at, probably where you were at. Like, oh, it's, it's it's not even. There is absolutely no comparison. I mean, this last round. I mean, just to give people an idea of what they're doing. I mean, it, just the forcible entry component. They're doing zero and low-vis, two-person forcible entry in limited spaces. Yeah. Like end of the hallway, no room for two members, blacked out mm-hmm. with their mask, and they are forcing outward swinging doors. And you know what's funny? What it's called? It's just called the basics. <laughs> the basics. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's, what's, that's what I find, like you're talking before about you know, people's resistance to change in training or, or thoughts on what's going on. And it's a lot of it, I think is just 
our own lens being applied to what our experience was. Like, I don't know how many people I've had tell me, well, that's advanced. Why are you going to teach them that? That's advanced. When I first went down to twos, the people that like that I that I was working with, like, ah, I don't know, man, that's kind of advanced. And it's like, it's not advanced if you learn it day one. Then it's just the fucking basics. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, this is where we want them to be. Like, yes. They'll push boundaries later. Um, and and like that that attitude's by and large been embraced and like like we see, like their skill sets. I mean they're Window-based searching. Like, we were taught window-based search. That's what's funny. People forget about when I came through, you know, 20 years ago. Like, we just didn't call it VES. Instead, it was like, hey, we need you guys to ladder the third floor window and perform a search. Okay. You'd ladder the... There was no isolation. It was mm-hmm. just, this is our entry point. Yeah. Um, the skill sets that they're learning around it, just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And when we call it the basics i think there's a risk in alienating a large group of people from you know my generation and before that don't have you know that were never taught those skills yes from jump and so that terminology i think i think we have to be careful with it because if the goal and i'm not saying no, you know, no. i'm yeah. not criticizing the yeah, way yeah. that you brought that up because absolutely those are basic skills we talk about the basic skills of firefighting how to force entry how to move hose how to search how to vent those are the basic skills of firefighting yes. and then you can go down each of those rabbit holes separately uh, removing entrapped people from vehicles and all those other things but there's a risk in alienating people that were not taught those skills and a sense by a lot of those members that have a lot of time on the job. Like what would make somebody reluctant to know or have those skills? And, and <clears throat> you know, I, I got to think that there's a bunch of people out there that have a lot of time on the job that don't really have their head wrapped around those basics. And they were never taught. And, Definitely. We, and we have to be really careful, I think, about holding that against them. Because yes. you you only know what you have been taught or have been shown. And some people, for whatever reason, have a moment or a series of experiences where they say, I don't have enough and I'm not going to stop until I get that information. I'm going to do whatever I can to get that job done, to have that knowledge so I can apply it to experience, to improve my judgment, mm-hmm. so I can have better experiences yeah. to hone that judgment even further. And I mean, right now we have a really tricky situation because all those recruits are getting that training at station two in the basics, the basics. And just to reiterate, they are getting the, that forcible entry at TAC. Yeah. We went to station two 100% unprepared for anything that was going to happen on the fire ground. I mean, 100% mm-hmm. unprepared. So right now we have a generation of people that didn't get that training ever. The Portland door opener kicked the door open, you know, Halligan and flathead act stay in their little satchel and we just leave it alone and make sure that it's good to go on chief's inspection day and we got all these people coming out of training that are ready and they're hungry and they have those skills Mm -hmm. and so how does that integration happen it's all about delivery right and like so when i when i'm saying the basics right like that's what i stress to the recruits that's what i stress to uh training staff it's all about delivery though right if i'm if i'm delivering any kind of information to incumbents like it's I, I try i do watch my language yeah right it's i don't it's not like a from a position of like hey i know this 
an amazing thing, like, and I'm here to provide you with this. A lot of times I'll refer to it as like, hey, this is what's going on at twos right now. Kind of like uh, progressions of tactics and skills they're learning. I'm going to deliver it to you just from square one. So we're all, everybody's on the same page. Yes. Right? So it's, I think it's all about delivery, the give and take, right? The interaction. You know, we just had a crew come out, um, recruit Kelly Day. So the back end of our last double. So last, last shift, right? Um, a couple outside crews came out to do some steep roof ops, right? Um, awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Working with the Cirque Saw, which in a lot of people's minds is advanced because we just didn't ever really catch reps with it. Which is funny because when I first got on the job, like a lot of truck crews actually used the Cirque Saw versus the Chainsaw. So um, how do you go about delivering that? We deliver from a place of like, hey, of, of enrichment and sharing versus like, you know, like you don't know this, so you've come out here to be with us. And it's yeah. just like, hey, I'm going to share what I know. Let's fucking go with it. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. And I think, and, and it's just well received. It was and well done by the crews that came out. And it's like, that's how, right? And it's it's unfortunate that it is on like this company level, this like calling, hey, you guys want to come up and do this thing, you know? Yes. Um, versus uh, institutional level of being like, hey, we got this thing. We, we need to spread this info. Um, but again, that whole like, what am I going to get frustrated about versus like, how can I take that energy to try to improve the avenue of correction? Um, I, I have to remind myself of that because it's easy to get frustrated. But yeah, I think it's just delivery. Yeah. It's just delivery. And and like, you know, I don't work out of house a lot, right? Like, right. I tend to want to work at sevens just because I'm a weirdo. Um, but when I do work out of house, right, that's one of my first conversations I have with people because... It's like, hey, yeah, you know, this, this is what going out in training right now, you know, and you guys have opportunity to go out there anytime you want. Like they're always, they're just willing to do this. And we just kind of talk about what's happening. I think a good thing that's happening um, is the video series that yeah. are being put out, right? Because it's not like a, you must learn this and, you know, this is from, you know, a pie. It's just like, yo, this is, this is what's being taught. These are some new, the evolution of, of tactics and skill sets here yeah it's a good i love it it's a great start and i was asking somebody at work the other day when when was the last time what what was the last fire suppression training you did at station two that was put on by the training division <laughs> do you remember i don't remember I, I mean the only thing we could come up with was when we went over which is arguably not fire suppression at all but um was we there was a, they put the department through writ bag training when we got the new Scott writ packs. Okay. We rotated. That's what I remember doing, rotating through twos and doing a no heat, full viz, firefighter writ drill. You know what's funny? Like, when when was that drill, do you think? <laughs> Dude, uh, I have no idea. All right. Probably I mean, within like four, four years. Four? How writ is. I mean, it was before COVID, which is coming up. We're. We're three months from the beginning of, yeah. of COVID four years ago. So the, the, what I find funny about that is that training has changed. How it's being delivered to recruits is different than how it was delivered to regular companies um, because like reflection on like, well, what are we really teaching here? Like in examining, be like, we need to adjust this and this and this. So like how roots, RIT's being delivered to yeah. personal at twos different than what you even got four years ago. So like, how does that change go out? How does that change get disseminated? That's a great question. Yeah. That, is, that is a great question. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's, there's a lot of things 
like that. Yeah. One of the ideas like, well, we did, well, we did company evals a couple months ago. Bro, that's not, that is not training. No, no. And I, that, that should be the application of knowledge, not, not the, the, you know, learning knowledge and practicing it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's our culture of training in our fire department is apathetic. And it's, I think it's, you know, trying to figure out, thinking about where, where does that come from? Yeah. You know, like you said, training scars about like, it's like we used to pride on it. We go through the longest training in the, the country. And I think a lot of times because of that, people are like, I'm done. Like I'm all right. Or I'm good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that is, that is questions that are rattled around at station two quite often is to like, how, how do we continue to get this out there? How do we disseminate this stuff? Because it's honestly, it's becoming an issue of, of safety on our fire grounds. You have hundreds of new personnel who understand the bulk load incredibly different than how it was first rolled out. You go to companies still today, bulk loads a three-person deployment, right? You're in the stretch as that hydrant person. Where station two, it's like, it's a two-person deployment unless you've got multiple turns and you need to be back there to help, Yeah. right? That's gonna cause issues on our fire grounds. For sure. You know, uh, truck searches, right? We're looking to apply window-initiated searches, right? Um, if, if the situation deems it appropriate, which yeah. are most of our fires. Absolutely. You know? So like, you'll have personnel coming out, and the argument used to be, well, they won't ride on trucks for a while. It's like, whoa, I don't know about that. Like, truck eight, truck 10, we got travelers going through all the time. Some other double companies, like they might stick that new person at the irons position, um, like it happens. So what are we gonna do as an organization to iron out that huge wrinkle? that's existing between our membership. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the other problem with without that training is that we become, we lose sight of the mission. We lose sight of the mission because we become too risk averse. Yeah. If we don't understand what we're doing, then everything looks scary. Completely. If you haven't developed your judgment based on experience and knowledge, then, and, and we're not, you know, we're not really providing any mental performance training. So you know how to calm yourself down when things are, you know, do look scary, yeah. whether they are or not, then we become overly risk averse and then we're losing sight of the mission. And then the mission becomes back to kind of like a narrative of, well, you as the firefighter, your safety is of paramount importance on the fire ground, which there's a range of opinions on that, but I would tend to disagree with that statement. I would say that the mission comes first. And yes. the mission is to get those trapped victims out of that building. Completely. Yeah, yeah. And like, and, and asking yourself, well, what, like defining for yourself, what is the mission, right? Like I always, I was always wondered when we first got hired, like they're like, we're an aggressive interior fire department. It's like, what does that mean? Like, why? Yeah. What, 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 why? You know, like, and like figuring that out for your fucking self is what it really came down to. It's like, you know, like we go in when others stay out, you know, TVFNR, they're always outside. We go inside. It's like, okay, well, why do we go inside? You know, so like that's one thing I bring up to new recruits when I have a chance to speak to them. It's like, you know, what is your definition of the mission? I can tell you what our fire department says. But what do you say about that? And does that in the forefront of your mind while you're here? Because if not, you're doing it wrong because it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that comes back into something that you were saying earlier in terms of you, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose the work that you get. And 
as long as we remain the Detroit of EMS. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Then that was one of those moments where, like, I heard that and was like, "Yes, yes, that that's resonates." I'm gonna write on that. Yeah, like for that. sure. Yeah. Um, but you don't get to choose, and and we've talked about it here before, where if you you know, one of the most storied times in the American fire service was FDNI, FDNY during the war years, right? Mid sixties through the early seventies. And yeah. they were, yeah, I mean, it was insane. South Bronx was burning up and you don't get to choose. You don't get to say, well, we're only going to get fire duty and we're not going to go on EMS calls. You, you have to do it all. If you're working in a busy part of town, you're getting everything. So how are you going to like, what is it all about? I, the, this last truck ops deal we did in, Ju- in July <clears throat> down at the Royal Palm mm-hmm. with that TAC class. And, I mean, <laughs> the Royal Palm is Chud Central. I mean, it is Criddle Town at 3rd and Flanders in yes. northwest Portland. Yeah, and yeah. you could see it on their faces. I mean, we're kind of, you know, we're doing our thing. The entire, I mean, everybody's been there for company evals or at least until, uh, you know, we ruined the building and they took it away from us. Um, you know, the outside of the building is clad in metal roofing to keep people in that neighborhood on the outside. Yeah. And, you know, tack recruits are down there and guys are coming through the street and they're doing fentanyl on the other side of the sidewalk outside the Chinese garden. You know, people are barfing in the sidewalks. There's, you know, people pushing their carts and strollers around. And I feel like there was somebody in the building too, right? Like <laughs> somebody did make their way into the building. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got to do a sweep at yeah. the end of those drills, yeah, make yeah, sure everybody's yeah. out. Uh <clears throat> You know they're looking around, and and that was an important message that I wanted to give at the end. Was look, this is what we're talking about. You don't get to go on center hallway buildings that have working fires in them, and not this. Like you don't get that. This yes. is these are our clientele. Yeah. You don't get to decide whether the person that you're helping is a taxpaying citizen or they have. You know they're up on their vehicles registration or i mean that's one of the best parts about this job and and it's central to the mission really the core of the mission yeah. is that we help those who ask for it yeah anytime anywhere absolutely yeah. and you know you can go into the yeah the nuts and bolts of helping people that are in a position to say yeah. i don't want help all right yeah, that's yeah. a whole other thing that's Completely. a whole other yeah. thing but people that need help we will help them you know, part of that mission is your part of it. Are you ready to help? Yeah. And identifying those parts of your mind or your body or your mindset that are not ready to help or what is ready. And then how can I work on those other things? Well, like we talked about before, before we started recording, like what are the, like what in this job do I have control of? You know, I don't have control of my sleep and we know how detrimental the lack of it is to us just in all other facets of our lives and longevity so i better have a firm grasp on everything else if i want to you know sustain my own growth and performance yeah Um, absolutely and that ties into something you said before which is the culture we are so fortunate that um the culture of this fire department is driven by firefighters yeah we yeah hands down and when if members are dissatisfied with the culture of our organization, the beauty of it is that it's within our power to make it what we want. Yes. I mean, we, you know, I was talking to Sheridan yesterday and, you know, we don't, this point came up, like we don't work for the mayor. We don't work for the commissioner. We, we really don't even work for the fire chief or BC. We work for each other and we work for the public. Yeah. And it's up to us to decide 
how are we going to show up for each other? How are we going to show up for the public? Um, what is the accountability piece? Are we going to be professionals? And it's up to us. Yes. If we, if we wait for a BC to light up you know, another engine company because they didn't perform their job, they, they disappeared when they were the second engine at a, a center hallway response and you only had one company, three guys to stretch the line, then that's up to us to make sure that we know that they know where they need to be yes. in, in, a, in, a, in a fraternal way. Completely. Right. And I don't yeah, mean, yeah. obviously, right, fraternals laden with, but in, in a way that's like, hey, we're on this team. We have this job to do together. And how can I build our relationship together so I know that the next time we all are where we're supposed to be? Hard conversations are an anomaly in our fire department where they should be the norm, right? Um, not only what you have to say, but like, are you ready to listen as well, you know, and receive? Um, the pendulum swung so mightily. I remember, you probably remember too, fire scenes when I first got hired, like people fucking up, like you would get lit up. Yeah. Like it'd be like, all right, you, you crews leave, you crews stay. Yes. We're going to fucking dive into you. And then the pendulum swung all the way to the fucking other side where it was like, everything's so great. Like, Everybody you know, does a good job all the time. Fantastic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you reach this ground where it's like, I found myself on some fire grounds where it was like, you know, you, maybe you'd have a hot wash and they're like, okay, engine so-and-so, how'd it go? And then they're talking to the red helmets. And it's like, well, and I'm just thinking like, like these guys, they, you know, they did some work, but the people that drive really what happens on our fire scenes is firefighters. Yeah. Something I, t you know, just like you're talking about firefighter driven, I say the same thing to the, to the recruits, man. It's like our fire scenes are firefighter driven. Our culture is firefighter driven. You as that B team, you're deciding what line to pull, where to pull. Can you make an entry? Can you fucking make a push? How to force the door? Going to the roof, same things. Where am I cutting? You know, can we cut? Like we're deciding those, which is such a fantastic piece of our organization that we're privileged to have. Like it's not this mother may I system. It's like, it's go time. Um, that applies just like you were talking about with Sheridan. Like how do we hold ourselves accountable? You know, and it's really like, again, that delivery, it's like, I'm going to hold myself accountable first, own up to what, what I did. So like, we're in a comfortable space. Let's talk about like, how about on your end? Yeah. What did, what did you do? How'd it go? What went right? What could we do better next time? Yeah. Again, that mentality of like, it's not a mistake. It's just, it's opportunity for learning. It's going to be a mistake if we do it again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's so important to remember that that's, that's not, if that goes away, if we don't have that accountability piece to ourselves and to the people that we're working with and to the public, then it will change. Our guidelines will change to where it will become, you know, what you see at, you know, some volunteer departments, for example, where the officer turns around and tells the members in the back yes. exactly what to do with what tools and where to go. And you're not going to do anything unless I'm going to be there to make sure that everything's going to go well. If we don't, if we don't live up to our end of the bargain and protect that firefighter-driven culture, then it'll go away, and it, it will not come back. Yes, this is something that we have been entrusted with by the generations of firefighters that have come before us and earned uh, and built that culture, and they did the best they can, you know, with the tools that they had mm -hmm. in those those eras. You know, people, everything's different, you know, especially as we migrate away from primarily blue collar jobs, you know, in our American workforce. But some of those, those workplace relationships are different now, but 
it's what we have and it's ours to protect and keep and maintain and yeah. improve over time. The love and trust that we receive from the public isn't anything that we earned. You know, it's it's what they earn for us and like what are we going to give to the next generation? You know, yeah. implicit trust. Like Dusty Dusty Miller talks about that all the time like, you know, like when do you show up at a a residence and the door's unlocked? You know, we're just stepping right into people's lives at like whatever time, whatever place, whatever's happening and like they just trust us. Yeah. You know, like you're on the ground. Oh, I, can you please grab my my wallet? It's in the top bedroom drawer over here. And it's like, sure. They don't think twice about like this strange person is going to go through my shit to get my stuff. It's like they trust us. It's earned. It's, you know, and we just have to continue to pass on that trust by, like you said, how we perform, how we carry ourselves, um, what we think and do. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, you had a you you had a good question for me before about like uh, what did I wish I knew or what did I wish I had known? Mm. Right? Yeah, it's that been something we've been talking about. Yeah, what's you know? Yeah, um, of course, like just those those fundamental skills would have been helpful. <laughs> that would that would have been pretty cool. Um, but I also think uh, what what I wish I had known was more about the emotional cost of what we do and what we see and how to deal with that. Like something that I've learned through my career and I think we do as a better as an organization for resources and, and talking, talking about things and just, you know, speaking to newer people in our organization about the emotional cost of the things we see and do, um, what that will be like, um, wasn't really spoken about when I first came on, it was just more like, Hey man, you're going to see some shitty stuff. Like, all right. Like, what does that mean? How is that going to color my experience? Not only here at work, but like with my family at Mm -hmm. home, you know? And, and I know myself, like how I deal with it. It was just like, see something shitty, like just fucking push it down, push it down into that place. right? Right. And then like, and then you see something else that, remind you of that that initial call like now i see all all the all the calls come back for a second right and then you yeah. just push it down in that place and um so better i wish i had had a better understanding of of the normalcy of that but also like a process of how to deal with that and you learn it right you learn in the job you learn it you know whether it's that black humor we share as a crew um decompressing uh, with a crew, with those pe- people who've gone through those experiences with you, and, and how to how to speak about and yeah. and, and and be okay with that, um, you know, I used to not tell my wife anything, right? Like she doesn't even know shit, and but she knows that something happened, yeah, and, and just knows that like that's how you know that's how he deals with it, and it's like it, it affecting so many other aspects of my life where it's like well now I, I do communicate. I tell her when I have a bad call and and what about it and how it makes me feel just to process it, you know. So, like I said, we do a better job um, with our, our new hires now. You know, we, we talk about it continually with them. We talk about, one, the formal resources, but just the informal that we have amongst ourselves. Um, but I wish I had known that back in the day. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's certainly, you know, one huge way as a senior member that we can show up for the junior folks coming up. Yeah. Is that it is a thing. 
and we're all going to experience it. And that everybody's experience with challenging calls, the things that we see is everybody's needs are going to be different and it's okay. It's okay that people's needs are different. I mean, we, we see it in every facet of high performing physical and mental trauma arenas, you know, from the military to sports, it's, you know, some guy can be a breacher for years and completely fine, yeah. you know, on a, on a special operations team. And then another person will operate for a year and a half and their, their personality is melting. And that, 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 that range of experience is, is perfectly fine. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong with you, yeah. you know, from your, from the perspective of that, you, that's something that you did or didn't do to be in that position. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge way that we can show up for each other is to create a space where it's okay to share when you have those experiences. Just like saying that you make a made a mistake on the fire ground, mm-hmm. you know, as a senior guy, if you go first and say, well, I would have done this differently. I would have done that differently. You know, making space for other people to say, oh yeah, well I made some mistakes. Maybe we can all learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Also like another thing you, we talked about like, uh, why you choose not to promote. I'm glad right. you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. I think, and, and why I say, why, why I bring that up is I think that it's okay <laughs> to, <laughs> to be a firefighter your whole career. Or is like, sometimes I feel like the pressure coming up, like maybe it's like, is it not okay? Like people are like, oh, you should, you'd be great officer. You should take the test. We're like, well, I don't feel ready. Ah, oh, you know, you're never ready. You know, take it as take it as soon as possible to, you know, get experience. What's well, like, well, what about getting experience riding backwards, you know, right in the back seat, so that now you're you are an asset to to that crew, or, you know, more importantly, from from my own self, like like it's okay to be that senior guy that wants to just stay riding backwards, you know. I've signed up for the past two lieutenant tests. Okay. You know, just to give myself, honestly, room to make a decision. Because I've had thoughts in my career of like, you know, of advancement formally. And and uh, I think one time I picked up the material and never looked at it. The other time I never picked up the material. <laughs> but I needed to, I wasn't ready to like say no. You know, I was like, yeah. I'll just sign up, we'll decide, right? And then the answer always comes to be no uh, for just a myriad of different reasons. But um, like, I think, I don't think enough people i don't think people in our fire department hear that enough that like it is a good thing to be a senior firefighter and more importantly it is a good thing to have people on your rig who have spent their whole career that way we have a unique opportunity in the realm of you know tactical professions to be you know a 50 year old tip of the spear like i'm the person that takes the door, does the search, yes. does the vent. Whereas other professions, right, you, you get bumped out, you get aged out. So um, again, like it's okay to be so. And, and also on top of that, like what are you doing to make sure like you're at your best? If you choose to do that, like how are you at your best throughout your whole career for longevity's sake for you and your, your life, but also like, you know, the mission. Yep. The importance of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think is if this podcast focuses on you know the two things that i'm most interested in in focusing on is is developing that senior culture and what it means the roles and responsibilities and then mental performance on the fire ground and the more that we develop a senior culture 
And it's tough because it's not explicit. It's not a process like taking a test, mm -hmm. like going through years and those responsibilities. It's a much, it's, it's much more abstract. And I think by nature, because it's abstract, it can be as good as we make it. Yeah. The possibility, honestly, is endless. And when we look back on our careers, I, I, th I believe that the people that are most influential to us are those senior firefighters because here you come on the job, you get out of station two, and I am, so you go to 25, you are the same rank as Bob Lemon. Yeah. You are the same rank as EB, as Gil Perry, as Kirk, Kirk Schaefer. Yeah. You are wearing the same T-shirt, and it's your first experience to to leadership and what that means. And so, if we, when we develop it, I think it will, it will create more space for people to aspire to be those senior firefighters, Definitely. rather than say you show promise. You've got it. You know, it seems like you take the concepts of leadership and um, you know seriously. You're interested in being somebody. It's like you should promote. You should take the test as soon as you can. I mean, you know, four and a half years, you can. You can move up to the next rung of the ladder. Yeah. But what does it's it really crazy. mean? Crazy. What does it really mean? Yes. What does that really mean to influence? Because you're influencing whether you choose to or not. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, I mean, more than anything, that's what I'm interested in is is, is developing that culture. Because we've got it. It's, it's all around us. I it's mean, all around. And it doesn't have to be, and like I think what people have to understand, it doesn't have to be the person with 20 plus years. When I wrote that blog post, The Shit Show, I mean, I think, what was that, eight years ago? 12 years in, right? Um, it's like, it's just you taking responsibility for the space. Like you were talking about with Sheridan, firefighter-driven. Like, what kind of impact can we create at our level? Just huge impact. Because they, you know, like, taking that ownership. What do we want? What do we want our fire department to be? You know? What do we want our membership to be? Like, how do you want your career? What do you want to pass on? What is going to be your legacy? You know? Well, you got to fucking go do that. Go grab that. Because time just keeps ticking. Yep. You know? Like, I can't believe I have 20 years in. Right? I'm on the back half, back third of my career mm -hmm. right now. And um, they always said, you know, oh, it goes fast. It goes fast. You know, it goes fast. Um, but fuck yeah, it goes fast. But I still got time left. What do I want to do with that time? and uh, just be conscious, conscious with it. And that's, yeah. that's what I'm choosing to be and do. Um, I know you're choosing to be and do. And like we all have that opportunity and ability to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't cost a dime. Yeah. It's not something that <laughs> stands up to complaining about cutting budgets and whatnot, right? Yeah. It doesn't cost a dime. It just costs your own mental investment, putting your heart into it. Yeah, putting yourself out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I wasn't, when I, when I first did those things, man, like... I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just writing, you know, mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to put this out to the interwebs and like, without realizing, think about what that fucking meant, you know, and like, and, um, or that it would be read back to you eight years later when you were sitting uh, across yeah. the table <laughs> like, with a microphone like, in your oh, face. Yeah, I, did, I did write that thing. <laughs> One, that was, oh, that's no. weird. And this is weird. Um, but yeah, I just, at the time was just like, I'm just gonna, I feel like I have something to say and I feel like, uh. I feel like it'll be well received and then I have an ability in this space to put some words on paper and let's just let's take a leap see what happens um, I think that's you know like with the job and, and taking ownership of it it's just that it's just like alright well how do I want what, what am I going to grab hold of so. well does that get us up to speed you got anything 
Yeah, man. On your I think, list you want to talk about? Oh, man. I know. We could go all day, like, right? Yeah, like just, I don't know. I think you're, you're covering it with, with everybody else, the mindset piece, how you, how you slow yourself down, you know, and the importance of it. Like, uh, Can we talk about that for a second? Because I think that's, that's really important. Um, yeah. Just like, uh, you know, if somebody was going to come away with wanting like an actionable tool that they can start with, you know, if they listen to this today, something that they can put into practice tomorrow when they go on shift. Yes. What do you recommend? Like in terms of two, I mean, Mm -hmm. let's say two things. Let's say keeping yourself calm at the beginning. Yes. And then maintaining that calm when things aren't going well. Yeah. It's all about, you know, uh, expectations again with the recruits, how I lead it off on the sheet that I give them. It's like expect fire, expect victims, expect problems, expect solutions. Right. I go to work thinking every day I'm going to go to something. Somebody's going to be trapped. Shit's going to go sideways, but we're going to be okay. Like we're going to fucking get it done and solve the problem. So just having those expectations as I go to work, the self-practice in, it's not something like I feel for myself, like I can just turn on and off at the job. I have to apply it in all areas of my life, right? Because things go sideways in all areas from how I respond to my children doing shit that I don't that I don't do, right? Like to, to like a shitty workout, right? Like how do I gain that reset in that moment? It's the same thing I do on the fucking fire ground. Like for me, it's just being conscious of how I breathe, you know, settling myself, thinking about breathing, whatever anxiety, stress, anger, frustration out to reset, to get my mind right, get wired again. And it's just a, a muscle that has to be flexed and, and easily flex throughout yeah. the day, right? Like, I've, <laughs> like, we were talking about Huberman Labs earlier, right? And like, uh, I've been taken into cold plunges the past couple months, <laughs> right? And just like flexing that muscle sure. of one, self-discipline, but two, like, that's all about breath for me to just settle. So I, I, I do that uh, on the job, you know, when, when the box does drop, right? Like, one thing I love about sevens, like, I think it's... I'm, it colors certain fire stations or firehouses. Like sevens is a firehouse. Ones is a firehouse. I think there's fire stations out there too. <laughs> um, Pulse Point, right? Game changer. Yeah. Especially when not everybody knew about Pulse Point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the fucking the like, golden where, secret. Where's he, go- where's he going? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, just more in the sense of like, I don't think, I don't think 30s knows about oh, Pulse Point. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, like just yeah, the yeah. jump. Yeah, yeah. But like you, you just like, uh, you know, Pulse Point, I don't carry my phone really at uh, the station, but people have devices, pulse point drops. What I love about the people I work with, everybody starts to fucking get up. They start to move yeah. to the rig. Take, you know, it's like getting mm-hmm. out of their seats because they're thinking, it's us. We're going. And then when it's not us, it's like, oh, all right, whatever. Maybe Let's next get, time. Grab a radio. Right? Yeah, yeah. But every fucking time it goes off, there's some places where it goes off. People are like, huh, who's going? You know? Yeah. It's us. We're going. Right. That's the mentality. So box drops in the house. Right. You know, my position is the farthest in the apparatus bay driver of the truck. So I got to fucking, you know, we all run into the rig, getting turned out, get on the rig. I have my set sequence of how I open the door or Stens opens the door, but how I, you know, do the ignition. And when I'm in that seat now, it's like I've got to settle myself. Right. One, my biggest responsibility. I got to get all of us there safely. I got to keep the public safe. I got to get us there fast and safe. 
I, I owe it to my family. I owe it to the people that were going on to be at my fucking best, have my mind's eye as big as possible. And the way my physiology is responding to that, that box is I'm not there. So what do I have to do to breathe? Just like I said, Ed Grenfell, pass it along. Right? I don't sing that song, you know? That's awesome. But I think, yeah. I think about that and I breathe out that fucking, that madness. I settle myself. I tend to think about my family real quick. I think about my kids. I got to be on point. I got to be sharp because they, they want me to come home, right? I think about them real quick, take a deep breath, let it out. Now I'm rolling the rig and I'm thinking about what I have to do, what we're going on. Um, but I settle myself the same way. Uh, throughout the day when I have those instances of, like I said, you know, a short fuse with the kids or whatever it may be. So practicing that, practicing that mindfulness, whether it's just a sit-down meditation um, from a podcast or so many things out there to listen. Um, so that's what I do. Yeah. I think that's an actionable item. Like, and, and I don't, you know, like just like Ed to deliver it to us, when I deliver it to recruits, it's like, you don't have to do what I do. Find what works for you. Have something. Yes. How do you settle yourself in these moments? Like fall back on that, mm-hmm. you know, like because, you know, you can't get tunneled down the route of like just banging your head against what's going wrong. Like we have to take, like like Jocko says, right? Like, you know, take that step back. Yes. Get some distance, right? Get some perspective. Detach, get Detach your eyes yourself, up, right? take a and deep breath. And that's what it is, right? Um, so that, I think that's that's just a cue. Find that thing for you. Um, you, whatever breathing pattern, whatever reset, and have that and have that readily available because you've you flex that muscle in other aspects of your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think another actual item, like putting yourself in like pain of working out. You know what I mean? Like getting in that. I think I think about David Goggins a lot. Not that like you know I I follow his Instagram or anything, but like. One thing he said about uh, that inner bitch, that inner pussy that wants to come out when things get tough when you're working out, right? <laughs> yeah, you start I had yelling this, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I had a discussion with uh, Robbie Hendricks the other day, you know, because we've been working out together, and you know, he goes to a place of positivity. He, he's got that yeah, positive. Yeah. For me, it's just like, don't be a bitch. That's right. Like, let's fucking go, right? Like, this is this is keep going, and I think yes. being able to put yourself in that that uh, that hurt, right? you grow that muscle because man, everybody knows we get in some uncomfortable, crazy, hardcore situations on this job. And like, you know, can you bring it to that next step to, to finish? I think you got to flex that muscle as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the (laughs) being like exercising, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a whole other, it's a whole other podcast. It's all their podcast series, the benefits of exercise, but getting it done at the beginning of the day. And then it, it's a, it is, I mean, you don't have to wait for a fire. You don't have to wait for something stressful to pay attention to what your body is doing when you're stressed out. Yes. It's a very easy way to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and say, Oh, well, how am I reacting to this? Am I breathing through my nose? Am I working too hard? Mm -hmm. Am I not working hard enough? Like, what does it feel like when I'm, at this level of exertion, either physically or mentally, or work out and then do a pump calc, or work out and then look at a picture of a, you know, look at a picture of a building and size it up. Yeah. Where am I going? Where are the bedrooms? I mean, it's just, there are so many ways that you can challenge yourself 
mentally and physically at the same time and then practice bringing yourself back down yes. again yeah man and you like i'm not as strong as i used to be i'm not as durable as i used to be but like my work capacity i feel like is better like my my motor of being able to like you know getting back to a baseline because of just dedicating to to continue to to work out right like we went we had a group like i think it was fullerton fukai stens and myself went back to indianapolis to fdtn uh, did the rescue ops class mm -hmm. fantastic best life fire training in the fucking country hands down right um but in the class one thing i noticed was just like you could tangible like awesome people we were working with around us firefighters looking to get after it and after evolutions looking at the guys that i was with like standing up recovering like like yeah we're smoked but like change our bottles give us a couple minutes we're ready to go again right yeah were we the fucking strongest burliest no but like like they've those guys have put themselves continually in those dark places and have improved their motors and it's like yeah so like i mean that's that's the other the other actionable thing i'd put you know the third thing would be like surround yourself with motherfuckers you want to be like and that's that's all i've done throughout my career is i work with some beasts mentally physically um i've surrounded myself with just people that i want to emulate um to to bring me up and like you know if you feel like you're maybe not in that situation there are people out there just find them they'll be more than willing you know yeah absolutely yeah well yeah brother Given the opportunity, I think we go all day long. Yeah. Um, Anthony, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for putting yourself out here and be willing to, you know, talk into the mic, have a conversation with me about these things. Um, I think you're a huge positive influence in this department and represent what's great about the future of not only the people coming through Station 2, but possibilities for tenured members in our department uh, as an example of how we can shift our minds and, as we just talked about, our bodies to be ready for game day every day and for the public, for each other, for ourselves, for our families. So thanks for being here. I really appreciate oh, it. Man. I appreciate all, all of that. Um, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, definitely outside my comfort zone. Um, but uh, um, thank you for those kind words. And uh, yeah, man. Okay. Thanks.